0: everybody welcome to episode 18 of the podcast that goes snicked today we have or tonight whatever wherever you are we have a giant size episode for you but wolverine joins the x-men i am super excited about this uh flashback episode and i also have a uh, special guest host returning that i'm excited about and in more exciting news I'm also now a part of the Comic Podcast Network, so that's cool. Okay, let's uh, write out this theme song and uh, get into it. All right. Okay, so I'm your host, Jason, the island that walks like a man venable, and I'm joined once again for a special episode by Cameron Belongs to the State Sinclair.
1: What's going on? Not much. How are you? I'm all right. Good. Excited I, about podcasting.
0: That's right. So, uh, you know, since the last time you were on, you've done some other things, so why don't you, uh, why don't you do a little uh, shameless plug for yourself, kind of talk about what's going on there.
1: Well, my friend and I started a website uh, called historybanter.com, where we're going to do a bunch of different history things, most of it kind of revolving around being, you know, humorous stuff, interesting things. Um, I'm in charge of the podcast, which we're doing, called History Banter Podcast. It's on iTunes. You can check it out. Where we're going to review movies and eventually TV shows and maybe even comic books and stuff like that and just kind of talk about basically how history is, is reproduced in, in popular culture, uh, which sounds a lot more academic than it's going to be because it's mostly <laughs> just us being, being dumb about movies. But
0: Awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to uh, checking that out after I watch the uh, movie from the first one. So it <laughs> should, should be a good time. So uh, what's, the, uh, what's the website address that people can look for you on? It's
1: historybanter.com.
0: Awesome. So go check that out, guys. Get your history on. So, um, alright. Well, uh, we're gonna, uh, pick up it really after the last time you were on the very next Wolverine appearance. And it's gonna be, um, Wolverine joining the X Men. You know, uh, so we're gonna cover two issues, kind of. Um, really, we're doing giant size X Men number one. And then we're gonna cover a little bit of the bonus material that was in classic X Men number one. Alright, so here let's go through the credits real fast. Giant Size was written by Lynn Wine. The art was by famous X-Men artist Dave Cockrum. The colors were by Glennis Wine. The letters were by John Costanza. Not John, John Costanza. We have a cover by Gil Kane. Uh, The extra stuff in classic X-Men was written by Chris Claremont with the art. The Extra Art by John Bolton. The Letters by Tom Orsakowski. And The Colors by Glynis Oliver, which, don't get confused, that's the same person that did the colors in the other one. She has divorced the writer and changed her name. <laughs> so so Glynis Wine slash Oliver does the colors for this whole thing. And uh, The cover for Classic X-Men was by Arthur Adams. Now, where we, kind of what happens is Giant Size X-Men comes out in January of 1975. So, it's like four to six months after Wolverine's first couple of appearances. And during that time, Wolverine was kind of just kind of tossed around the Marvel editorial offices. Um, we talked about a lot of that last time, so I won't rehash too much of that. Um, was, he in, was he in anything else? No.
1: Between the, between that Hulk and this?
0: No, this is his Cause technically they introduce third him like, appearance.
1: Because they kind of introduce him like like everyone would know him already.
0: <laughs> right. No, um he he disappears for about four or five months and uh shows up in the X Men. Which I don't know if you remember like we talked about that, there's kind of some theory that, that was the plan all along, that he would eventually be an X Men you know, what was going on with the X-Men is, at this time, the X-Men had gone on hiatus, the book, um, in the early 70s, like 71, I think, and basically because the book was not doing very well, and Marvel was considering canceling it, so they put it on hiatus, and then starting like an X-Men number 67 or so, I should have looked this up. <laughs> Sorry, guys. But starting in X Men sixty-seven or so, and they started reprinting X Men one through sixty, whatever however far they got. The so giant size comes out, and it's the first new X Men issue when it came out in seventy-five for three or four years, and then that kicks off uh, with it moves into. X Men '94, which is where the X Men title starts re doing new stories. So it's not only Wolverine popping back up after a short absence, but it's also the end of a hiatus for new X Men stories. So it's a pretty uh pretty important issue in X Men history and X Men lore. Um, I'll I'll cut it out. Okay,
1: <clears throat> I'm just gonna clarify this. So this is the this is the actual comic. This is a reprint of the actual first. comic, yeah. And then this is this is this a reprint okay. of another comic.
0: Oh no! Actually, go ahead and go ahead and ask your question on Mike. Okay.
1: So the Giant Size X Men. This comes out in seventy five. The classic <laughs> X Men
0: comes out in nineteen
1: eighty
0: six. Eighty six. And what is, classic X Men was is at this point we're kind of in the. A really nice heyday of Uncanny X Men. Mm-hmm. You know, Chris Claremont is kind of it's big again. The, the top 80s. writer in comics, really, I I would say at this time. Uh, there were probably some other contemporaries that were pretty close, um, but at least with my X Men bias, <laughs> I would say that he he was the biggest writer of the time, and the sales of X Men at, at this point in the mid eighties would back that up. And basically, classic X Men went back. And they didn't do the original team because they weren't really doing anything. They were about to start X-Factor with kind of their return to the forefront. But Uncanny X-Men at this time was mostly these characters that get introduced here and people that came after them. So in order to kind of get new readers up to speed, because there were a whole lot of new readers that came on X-Men in the mid-'80s they had a real boom, so to kind of give everybody up to speed, they, they started Classic X-Men to reprint the old adventures of what was the current X-Men team then. So they started, instead of starting with X-Men 1, they started with Giant Size number 1, and then Classic X-Men reprints up to like Uncanny X-Men 130-something, I think, before the reprint series ends.
1: So is Classic a... Is this a reprint of stories that already been told, or are yes. these new, fresh stories?
0: The, it's a reprint. The first uh, four or five have stories that Chris Chris Claremont wanted to kind of fill in some of the gaps, okay, and and partially to uh, fix continuity, <laughs> to kind of retcon some stuff. But but after the first few, they pretty much go straight reprint. But particularly and we'll talk some as we compare these two issues. There's some significant differences and some some serious stuff added to the end of this that's quite different. But the and there's little backup stories in every issue. Just kinda to flesh out the old continuity and make it more in line with what Claremont was doing at the time.
1: Alright, that makes sense. Yeah.
0: Okay. So yeah, so let's start off talking about um, the cover for Giant Size X Men number one. It's by Gil Kane. Uh, what do you think of it?
1: It's a good, solid cover. We kind of
0: have, um, kind of paint a picture for it. We have, you know, the big banner, Giant Size X Men, and the nice old school sixty-eight big pages across the top. <laughs> um, and we basically have the original X Men looking kind of shocked and. Uh, see, Beast is on there too, right? Or no? Yeah, no, he's, yeah not. he's right
1: there. Oh, yes. Yeah, he is. He's when not he, in the comic, but he's in the yes. cover.
0: Well, at this point, he's already blue, but we have him in his original form. And then kind of busting through the page is the team of new X-Men that we're going to be introduced to.
1: Although Cyclops is in both.
0: Yes. Well, because that's because he sticks around. <laughs>
1: True.
0: Yeah, and I think it's a pretty dynamic cover, but, of course, Gil Kane was a... Big time Marvel artist in the seventies uh, had a long run on uh, Amazing Spider-Man, and he was one of the one of the Marvel big shots back then. So he went his uh, art to this cover to kind of kick off a new era of X-Men, and I think it's a pretty solid cover. It's pretty nice.
1: Yeah, Storm's neck looks kind of weird, but
0: it looks like her head's gonna fall off. Yes,
1: <laughs> but otherwise, I like the leaning forward. You know, they're, they're really that the image of them really busting through the old Right, team, well, especially Wolverine and Colossus, I think.
0: Like, like Wolverine's, like, his claws coming out towards the bottom. He's really cutting through, like, the page. And then Colossus is, like, punching his way through, and it looks really nice. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, the classic X-Men covers by Arthur Adams. Um, he was one of the big, big shots in Marvel in the 80s, had pretty significant run on Fantastic Four among other things Um, I've always always been an Arthur Adams fan more so in hindsight because I never really read a lot of the stuff he drew back then but the art was still really good he was kind of a contemporary, him and kind of Todd McFarlane were like the two big, huge guns at Marvel and so he did a cover kind of kind of similar to the original but a little more fleshed out yeah, it's got everybody I like it because Wolverine's like in the front. And of course in the eighties, by that point he was a mega popular character, so that makes sense. But yeah. you got Wolverine and Cyclops and Colossus, and everybody looks pretty cool. I like I like Adam's style, I like his pencils quite a bit. So and I like the white background. Kind of how everybody's just in solid white. Yeah,
1: I do too. I like that it's got everybody. The only thing is I would say is that the, the Giant Size X Men cover
0: is more
1: it more it makes more sense with the story because that's the the idea because this one in classic X-Men it looks like they're all together a unified team but the story of Classic X Men is them not so much being that. Right. But so that's interesting.
0: Yeah. Alright well let's um let's we'll dive right into the story. We'll do We'll talk about the differences and our preferences kinda of when we get to the end. we're gonna do The original giant size X-Men. Mostly. And do it first. So let's jump into that. So we have Stan Lee presents the uncanny X-Men. And of course to this point. I I think there's been times. Where they've referred to themselves. As being uncanny. I don't know if there's ever been an uncanny X-Men. As a phrase before. And up to now. It has not ever been in the title. So this is kind of a. A significant moment for that because before this it was just x-men and then we have giant size and then i don't even know if uncanny goes solidly into the title until the the late 90s being the issue numbers not the decade <laughs> right um we kind of get like a redo of the cover here Um uh, we have the x-men in the back on fire um i can't tell is that Jean Grey has a very like, uh, what's that movie? She looks like a she's a Barbarella. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then we is. have Angel being very a stud. Uh, Cyclops looks kind of Scooby Dooish, but he always <laughs> does to me when they show his eyeballs and his visor. Yeah, yeah, uh, he does. There's, there's particularly there's a there's an episode of Scooby Doo when there's a monster at an amusement park.
1: Kind Isn't of that every episode, monster, and he
0: looks just like that guy.
1: <laughs> That's funny.
0: And the Beast looks uh, super wide eyed. Of course, we had the Blue Beast. He looks like a point. cat. You think he looks like a cat? In that picture, it, really? just looks, it
1: looks like a shadow. So you
0: heard it here. First appearance of Cat Beast. <laughs> it was not Grant Morrison to Frank Quietly, it was Dave Cockrum. There you go. <laughs> but I think it's interesting because uh, at this point, we haven't seen Wolverine's hair yet. And so he kind of he had the hairdo first.
1: Yeah, wow, that's interesting.
0: The uh, then ear. we have Iceman looking very stoic. He and looks
1: like Silver Surfer.
0: <laughs> but there's a lot of times that they look a lot alike. <laughs> then, of course, we have Wolverine running, Nightcrawler, Colossus. We have a. Uh, oh, crap. I forget his name. Uh, Which one? I want to call him Warpath because that's his little brother. Um, Proudstar? What? Yeah, has John, a nick- John Proudstar? He has a nickname, though, doesn't he, or a code name? Ah, oh, crap. Anyway, we'll, we'll get to the, of the story. But Proud Star running, and we have Storm and Banshee and Sunfire flying in the background. And this story is called Second Genesis. From the ashes of the past, there grew the fires of the future. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. All right, so we're going to start off with Professor X on an around-the-world recruitment trip. And we start off in Wurzburg, Germany, and he's going to recruit Nightcrawler.
1: Can I jump in real quick? Yeah, I do the so have they set up the? Because in classic X Men, they set up the story with Cyclops coming back. Have first. they set that up here, or does this no. just dive into this?
0: No, we. Uh, and when the original story that you get the first time around, you just start off. You open a brand new book. You haven't seen the X Men in a while, and Professor X is running around recruiting new mutants. Now is this,
1: side question, is this the first appearance of a lot of these guys or had some of these guys popped up?
0: All of them but Sunfire and Banshee.
1: Had, had been?
0: Had uh, been no, It's their part? first appearance. I'm sorry. It's the first appearance of all the new guys except for Sun- Sunfire, Banshee, and well, Wolverine. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> I guess it'd be easier to say it's the first appearance <laughs> of Colossus, Nightcrawler, Storm, and Star. That's a lot of first appearances. It is a lot of first appearances. I wish I had the original of this, this is why you can't find this unless <laughs> you want to go to an auction house and drop a couple of K on it. Yeah. So, I, guess, K. I guess I guess should say a couple of Gs.
1: Right. Yeah. It's the same, though. You can't
0: look at me like I shouldn't.
1: <laughs> well, either way, I mean, you know, K, G, it counts the same. Right,
0: right. Le- a letter of sorts. Um, so we have Nightcrawler. um. And he's running through the village. He's being attacked by a mob. He was working in a circus. Of course, he looks super scary. So they decide they're going to fight him and try to, I guess, kill him or arrest him. And for whatever reason, he decides... Um, let's see. He decides that he's going to jump off the roof. And he, oh, he decides if this is what people are going to be like, I'm going to teach them a lesson as well. And I really like the art. Uh, Cochran, of course, is a good artist, but his his rendition of Nightcrawler, especially this panel of him jumping off the roof, is really nice. Yeah, that's cool. And then he flies into the people and gets dogpiled. And to me, this brings up a big question that maybe you did or didn't think of. He's, in a, he's on the bottom of a dogpile, getting the crap beat out of him. Um, Teleport? Maybe? I thought that
1: I thought he was about to teleport. I thought that was the whole thing. Right. That he would draw draw himself into the drew himself into the dog pile to then teleport away, I guess. I don't know.
0: Right. I don't know.
1: Maybe he was going to.
0: Maybe he was, but then Professor X freezes everybody psychically with a big stop. And everybody freezes except for him and Nightcrawler. And so and Nightcrawler, of course, is like, what's going on? He's kind of freaking out. But Professor X talks to him. Um, he tells him he's a teacher. He has a school for gifted youngsters such as him, a school for mutants. And, of course, Nightcrawler's like, mutant? I've heard the word. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and Professor X gives a nice spiel about helping uh, Kurt reach his potential. And so he says Professor X can make him be a whole Kurt Wagner, then he'll go with him. So, um Nightcrawler, he signs up. Again, just want to kinda of emphasize I really like the first the first glimpse we see of Nightcrawler, he looks pretty awesome right off the bat. Yes. So.
1: He's very cool looking. And very different looking. Yes than any of the other X-Men up to this point, which we'll talk yeah. more about that later. But.
0: Yeah, we definitely will. <laughs> um, all right, so we switch from Germany to... Uh, um, yeah, I was gonna, yeah, I was going to
1: point out something that I thought was interesting. Definitely. On the last podcast, we talked a little bit about uh, when they started doing colloquial talk with yes. people. Yes, 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 and yes. And I noticed that other than the one word where he says Voss instead of what, Right. Th- they don't have any other... Signs of accent oh, or language. I didn't
0: language even in notice there. that. Yeah. But
1: for a bunch of the other people, they do. When we talk about Banshee and such and again, it's really thickly drawn. Right. And Wolverine says A in every bubble.
0: <laughs> Does he?
1: <laughs> but for Kurt, <laughs> for some reason, for Nightcrawler, just the one word. Oh, well, no.
0: He says Dare Yarmart earlier.
1: Oh, well, yeah, but that's a name of something. That's true. But just I expected some more. I don't know. I don't know what I expected more in there, but I expected more like. German pronunciation, right? Like effort.
0: instead of saying "away you fools," he should have said "away to the That
1: was a really <laughs> yeah. "ave" always
0: yeah. He said his, his W is a W. That's not very 1970s German.
1: Nope.
0: But anyway, I do like again uh, we everything about Nightcrawler is kind of already in place, except for he doesn't teleport. But he will do that later in the issue, so that was intended to be his original power. He's got the tail, the blue skin, the yellow eyes, the wild hair, the fangs. It's all the three fingers and toes. It's all there from the beginning, so that's pretty cool. Is there anything else on Nightcrawler? I think that's good. Okay, so then we get to Quebec, Canada. And as we're at a secluded military installation. It says, fewer peop- few people know of its existence and fewer still know of its true purpose. So we have some suspense there. And it's the home of... <laughs> this cracks me up. I know it probably doesn't have the same connotations now or back then, but it says, it's the home base of a special governmental agency and it's a very special agent. <laughs> 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 so apparently wolverine took the uh, short bus to work <laughs> um but the agent cipher coded weapon x what does cipher coded mean i thought that
1: was weird too that was a weird word
0: i think when wine made that up
1: i've heard of ciphered but that's just like right. doing math
0: and, and code named yeah but cipher coded like it's a code on top of a code like it just seems kind of redundant that sounds made and, up. And and it sounds made up. <laughs> I'm yeah. sure. I'm sure that it was. So we hear a voice in a the window. They're waiting for you in the conference room, sir. And then we we have what we're going to find out. is Wolverine says, "Let them wait. It's good for the soul." But <laughs> <laughs> then we see Wolverine opening the door. He says, all right, gents. I'm here. Now who's this big wig you want me to meet? And so we get uh, our first. Wolverine appearance, and you know, since his first storyline. And he's coming in to meet Professor X. And uh, Professor X is going to try to recruit him. (laughs) And Wolverine cops an attitude right away. I mean, before he gets in the room, he's got a bad attitude. And then his first uh, impression of Professor X is, am I supposed to be impressed? (laughs) So... But the guy, his commanding officer says that the Professor X is there to make some sort of offer. Oh, you're right. And he goes, an offer, eh? <laughs> okay, prof. And he said gents earlier. That's very French Canadian. Yeah. And then, But they already came back. And then he goes, an offer, eh? And I like his little grin. Yeah, um, that's a smirk. It's, All right, okay, pa- okay prof. piqued my curiosity. What's the deal? Professor X decides to shoot straight, and he goes, "I know of your recent battle with the Hulk, so we get a nice little kind of reminder that that's where you're supposed to know Wolverine from, and moreover, I know of your powers, which we don't know all his powers yet, but Professor X apparently does.
1: he does have cerebro
0: yeah, it's true, and he says, "You, my friend, are a mutant, and I have need of mutants, desperate need." <laughs> <laughs> Shit, that was awesome. Yeah. Um, and then Wolverine's like, well, what about my position here? And of course, Wolverine, uh, he's rough around the edges and he's kind of roguish, but he's always been, you know, a soldier type. So, you know, he's hes concerned about kind of abandoning his post. And Professor X offers him a chance to become a free agent, a chance to learn to put your powers to the greatest use, and uh, you're right, he says A again. I even noticed that when I ran it.
1: Um, yeah, it's in there several like, times.
0: He's like, A chance to get out from under the red tape and rigmarole.
1: A rigmarole that's a good name, <laughs> a good word.
0: He's like, all right, professor, you found your man. And the uh, superior officer's like, What <laughs> not so fast, fella? The government has invested a great deal of time and money into turning you into what you are now. <laughs> so apparently. I, I'm trying to figure out what, what was Professor Rex's pitch to get into the conference room in the first place? <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh, I need to talk to Wolverine. About what? Oh, I'm gonna take him. Okay. He's leaving? No! <laughs> <laughs> or did he just say he was gonna, like, recruit him maybe for one mission? Maybe that's what he said. I don't know. I kind of would I mean, like to see those, uh those panels just, you know, for comedic purposes. Yeah.
1: Maybe he mind-froze them. and
0: Maybe so, or just kind of manipulated them into but see the thing though is he was gonna like use his mental powers to get in why wouldn't he also use it since so it would be real easy to get out like like why loosen the grasp and create the conflict yeah so, that's kind of strange said so you try walking out on us and I'll have you locked up locked up was why I said walked not fondly <laughs> and then we get our very first snicked stupid So, awesome. It seems you don't get my meaning, friend. This is still a free country, isn't it? So I'm resigning my commission, effective immediately. And Wolverine pops one claw and uh, makes his uh, application to go work at Trail Dust. (laughs) (laughs) And he cuts off his his superior officer's tie. Apparently he does not like ties. Very frightening. And then he gets up and he gets his finger and his one claw... Which, by the way, this is the first time we know that he can do a claw at a time. Yeah, that's so true. This that's another Wolverine first. And he goes, unless, of course, you have any further objections. And the guy doesn't say anything. Wolverine's like, I don't think so.
1: I think it's funny that, that it's like, for, in like two panels, he says, a- a- tra- <laughs> Razor X gives him... The choice is to come with him. And then he acts like he's really concerned about his post. But what am I, post? Right, right. And he says, you can be free. He's like, okay. Autumn's like, like, why was he even really concerned about the post in the first place? That's kind of a weird...
0: To immediately cutting off the tie of his commanding officer and and threatening to kill him.
1: (laughs) And also, correct me if I'm wrong, this is the first time... Because in the original ones, didn't we talk about that he didn't ever pop his claws? Right,
0: yeah. So this is our first nick in our first club pop
1: so even like ever like just right that the, the, the fact that they could come and go that's something we didn't even know yet yes okay
0: so a lot a lot of good wolverine first in this issue yeah that's which good is, is really cool um so do you like oh wait let's finish up right here the guy says believe me mister you haven't heard the last of this which forces some foreshadowing <laughs> so when uh the Canadian Alpha.
1: government's going to come get him.
0: Yeah, well, they're going to try, and we'll see that in a few years.
1: That's true, once they get Alpha Flight right, ready
0: to roll. He goes, anytime you want me, you know where to come looking. Come on, prof, let's go. Um, How?
1: Yeah, how does he how know, does where where know where to go? Where
0: go- <laughs> <laughs> um, does
1: Wolverine even know it, where he's it, going it, at this point?
0: Right. If Professor X see now I'm just assuming that Professor X when he first arrived gave the guy a business card. It <laughs> has the address of the school. It's like, Well, if you ever need him back you can come and get him. I don't think so. So so besides this not making sense, are you happy with uh we'll talk more about that later. Uh what do you think of Cochrane's uh rendition of Wolverine?
1: It's pretty good. It's got the he kind of goes back... We looked at this the in the first ones. He kind of goes back to the kind of thicker claw-looking claws rather than the blade. Right. We talked about in the first two issues that kind of changed. Yeah. This kind of goes back to the almost nail-looking in some cases. Right. Which is, you know, it's fine. It's not good or bad. It's just a different... Just different. But, yeah, overall, I mean... The
0: mask is more... Um, More of what you think of now when you see Wolverine. So pretty early on, we got kind of the mask away from kind of the the actual animal-looking mask.
1: Yeah, that's true. And you got a lot more, (coughs) the black eye and ear is more accentuated, whereas that was kind of smaller on the older one. Yeah,
0: and in the first one, you know, it was hard to tell whether it was blue and they used the black to shade or whether it was black. But here, it looks pretty black. Yeah, Whereas the boots and the gloves and everything is still really blue. Yeah, yeah. I think so. it's
1: clear that it's a three-color 3, three color suit.
0: Right. All right, cool. All right. Well, uh, moving along, uh, Professor then goes to, t- to Tennessee, Nashville. The Grand Ole Opry to find Banshee, who apparently uh, loves country music. But
1: sadly t- only gets two panels.
0: <laughs> yes. As all well, but he's been he's he's been yeah. introduced before. He he was actually introduced really early on in X Men. So there's, I think we're assuming there's some familiarity with the yeah. readers to sure this point. I
1: thought it was really funny that he was at the Grand Ole Opry.
0: Yeah, you know you know how much Irish love their American <laughs> country. <laughs>
1: I don't know Mumford and Son. How's that? I is guess there some it is. I guess <laughs> it's the
0: closest. It's, it's either that or Bob Dylan. I mean, yeah. You're going to be an Irish folk guy. You're going to want to either go country or, or folk. So. Yeah. So Professor X recruits Banshee. He, he's ready to to walk the straight and narrow for a change. Oh, you're right. He, his accent is super thick. Yeah, it's really um, thick. I'll help ye. <laughs> <laughs> and he says, Bagora. I don't know what that means. I don't either. Is that an Irish slang word of surprise?
1: Maybe. Okay. But you notice that in the comics, all the Irish people always say ye a bunch. They do. But all the Irish people I ever hear talk never say ye. I mean, so, I'll say never, but rarely, other than, you know, like an occasional.
0: I could have sworn Bono said ye all the time. <laughs> I don't think
1: so. <laughs> I don't think so either.
0: In the name of love, uh, <laughs> ye.
1: I think that, um,. Who's going to ride Yee's wild horse?
0: <laughs>
1: can't even use that. I don't know.
0: Ye uh, ask me to enter, and then ye <laughs> make me crawl. Uh, yeah, we can do that on the rest of this podcast. We shouldn't. <laughs>
1: redoing you 2 lyrics with Yee.
0: Right. Yee instead of you. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, just kind of a note. Uh, Banshee was kind of went back and forth between a good guy and a bad guy in his first appearances. Yeah, that's so, true. So he's decided he's gonna try being a good guy again.
1: It's because of the Grand Ole Opry.
0: Yes, he was. He was tapping his foot. It got some positive got some energy good. from Kenny Rogers or uh, whoever <laughs> he was seeing there. I don't um, know.
1: Well, you know, this is back in the '70s, so that it's not been like the big
0: guy. Who would have been the big country guy been, in
1: '75? I People like Willie Nelson and and George Jones and. Before country got glam, I think. Ooh,
0: Conway 20, maybe.
1: Maybe I think he might have 80, been a little early later. 80s. I don't know. My country okay. trivia is not great, yeah. but, but I mean, you know, like the highwayman and Johnny Cash. Oh, Johnny Cash wouldn't have been around yet. But yeah, he was. Still, he would have still been around. Oh yeah, he yeah. was still been there. So I would have been that that. That kind of country would have made more sense because in the seventies you'd have there'd be a lot more folk country than like right. today, where you'd have your your glam countries and <laughs>
0: the country that's carry still in the, in the late eighties, like that,
2: yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. Anyway,
1: that's not relevant.
0: Oh, anything else about Banshee? he doesn't look as weird as he did the last time I saw him.
1: Yeah, he's got a really high collar, but it is the seventies, so <laughs>
0: yes, it does. Well, obviously he was wearing his. His full uniform under his coat. (laughs) It it does
1: look like he's got his uniform under.
0: Just know going to the offering, night at the offering, in my my uniform.
1: Yeah, well, he because he's got his gloves and everything, so it's it's full on ready to go.
0: Right, a guy who's surprised to be recruited. He sure was ready. (laughs)
1: He's been wearing that uniform every day for years, just waiting for the moment when when Professor X showed up.
0: Would come back to find him again. He felt These bad about, about how he left the X-Men <laughs> on the terms. And out of guilt, he wore his uniform every day. That's right. He hasn't even washed it. He's the stinkiest <laughs> guy in Nashville.
1: I think that he woke up every day and looked in the mirror and said, this is the day Professor X is coming back for you. You're going to make it to the big <laughs> Oh no, no, he didn't. He said,
0: this be the day Professor X comes back for ye."
1: There you go. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and he didn't, he know he didn't take a shower, so he just smelled like uh, Jameson and Lucky Charms. <laughs>
1: that's some real alcoholism right there.
0: <laughs> right? Well, I didn't mean that he used it for milk, but that's pretty like funny, in, too. Like
1: in M.A.S.H. when they always put their <laughs> martinis in their cereal.
0: Right. Just pour the Jameson on the Lucky Charms. Mm. There you go. Magically delicious. <laughs> And Lucky Charms or Jameson if you'd like to sponsor our podcast um, you can email me at snickcast at yahoo.com I will take free bottles or cereal boxes um, alright so then we switch to Kenya atop a lonely knoll there's a little it's an arch that doesn't really seem to go anywhere <laughs> it's like an entrance to nothing
1: it's just like a shrine I think
0: Yeah, yeah so it's a shrine and um, basically, Aurora, or Storm, has made herself out to be an African goddess. And, of course, we learn right off the bat, she controls the weather and lightning and uses that to her, um, I don't know. Uh,
1: benefit. Benefit, yes. Her community's uh, benefit, really. Yes. Is this one where the the person comes and asks her for rain, or is that only in classic economics? Yeah, it's
0: right here. It says, there is drought oh, yeah, upon the is. land... Blessed one, our crops wither, our grasses parch. Which I got to wonder, what's Storm been doing? Yeah, really. Why do people need to come tell her there's a drought? Is she not eating? <laughs> yeah.
1: Someone's feeding her. Right. But maybe this person came from far away. I don't know. Oh, maybe so. It doesn't appeal that way. It feels like this is someone who lives with, like she's their leader right. or whatever.
0: And so then we get... um we find out the storm has blue eyes and white hair. And she commands the rains to come. And we, we find out that her eyes grow dark when she uses her powers. So,
1: Although in the movies, they turned white.
0: True. And I think in a lot... Well, even, yeah, even on the next page, they're already white. <laughs> so <laughs> maybe she just closed them. Well, they say the dark several times. So Yeah. I don't. I don't know. That's interesting. Anyway, the wind blows, and she's not wearing a top, but her hair covers up her boobies. Dang it! Right. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say, the close-up of her face is like the most detailed face in the issue so far. Like it, it almost looks like a different artist. Yeah. To me, I don't know if it, if it struck you that way or not.
1: Yeah, it's it's very. It
0: almost looks, and her eyes almost have like a Disney.
1: There's a very like look
0: to like a Disney princess kind of.
1: But then the lips are like straight out of uh, new comics, right? Super um,
0: <laughs> Angelina Jolie lips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, but she commands the storm, and then she flies off and does some lightning and makes it rain. And then she lands, and some I guess someone willed Professor X up the mountain. <laughs> In the mud, that would have been a nice job.
1: I wonder if he just comes telepathically. I guess so.
0: I guess he could. We haven't I don't know how much they've really talked about astral f- form by this point. But I know they have mm-hmm. some, so maybe it's not. Maybe it's not really there. I don't know.
1: But if that's the case, why wouldn't he have done that for Wolverine too? If he could just come telepathically, right? Why is he wheeling around all these different places right. and not just doing everything?
0: Now I'm going to assume he's actually here. That's that's my. Yeah. Uh,
1: I think it's a safe assumption.
0: The so Storm's surprised to see a white ball guy in Kenya.
1: Not unsurprising.
0: Right. She's like, who Who are you? What business have you in Aurora's land? That's a little presumptuous, don't you think?
1: <laughs> it is. Just because you, you just can have control
0: the weather and save all the people, it's your land? Well, it does seem like they're worshiping her. They, they are. So, maybe so, it is her land. So, she's taken it to, to her head. <laughs> yeah. Got a little goddess complex.
1: And I like how Professor X knocks her down a peg immediately. <laughs> like, you are not a goddess.
0: <laughs> but he says that he offers a world is not beautiful, but is real. More real than the fantasy you're living now, which is what you were kind of referring to. And you are no goddess, Aurora. You are a mutant, and you have responsibilities. You know what that sounds like? That's like someone who's always trying to come up with a scientific explanation for the miracles in the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> you're not a goddess. You're just a mutant.
1: There you go.
0: It's all genetic. he offers to to bring her home with him, <laughs> <laughs> which at, at no point does anyone uh, suspect... Professor X being creepy, <laughs> running around recruiting teenagers from around the world to come home with them.
1: But none of these people are teenagers. They're all grown, so that they're is, older.
0: It's iffy. They're all young.
1: Well, he says later they're all old, much older. Yeah. That's what he says. But so, that point goes back and forth. Yeah. She looks really different in that panel, her face. She does. That's a totally... That's like but a, her
0: eyes are still very, like, up and out yeah. on her face.
1: But She looks angry and intense there.
0: Yes. But she's getting rained on now, so. (laughs) So she decides she can use a change of scenery, give up the life of a goddess to go do something else. Because Professor X sounds sincere. A little sincerity goes a long way, right? That's right. All right, so we cut to Osaka, Japan. And Professor X and Sunfire are old acquaintances sharing tea. And Professor X says, I know you don't like the Western world, and I would not have come to you, and son Sunfire, being the arrogant prick that he is, <laughs> says, but you require help that only I may give, so I owe you nothing, Professor, but perhaps I owe something to myself.
1: They don't waste any time reminding you that he's a dick. No, they like, don't. You just don't forget, don't forget.
0: He's, and he's one of my least favorite X-Men of all time. I
1: I would agree with that. And I said earlier, I wonder if other people have the same experience. I he's the, he's the mutant that I always forget. And every time he ever shows up in a comic, I always think who's this guy. And then I'm like, Oh yeah. Sunflower, (laughs)
0: Sunfire. Well, it's funny because I think with his mask, he looks like a red version of a Do you remember Merman from Masters (laughs) of the Universe?
1: Yeah.
0: He looks like Merman. He does look like that. And he decides this time the world knows who he is. So all ego, this one. But he decides he's going to go. So another really short. Only two panels for the guy we've already seen before. Yep,
1: just like Banshee.
0: Yeah. So then we go to Lake Baikal, Siberia. Um, where Colossus is on his farm. And he sees that his sister is about to get run over by a runaway tractor. And he runs to save her, not really knowing what he's going to do. But this is kind of the first instance that I've read. I think there may have been in the in the flashback origins of the original five, some of this. But this is kind of the first like, new character introduced that we see the mutation coming for the first time from a time of great distress.
1: Are you sure about that, though? because he stops in front of the tractor and punches it to bits as if to, which led me to believe that he's he knew. had it before well it just kind of seemed to me that the way in which he just kind of at least the way the drawing is where it looks like he punches the tractor that he knows he knows that he can turn into steel otherwise it seems like he would have dove or thrown the girl or something at least cuz the way it looks it looks like he has okay. some kind of confidence that he's going to stop this tractor.
0: Yeah, all right.
1: But you I, no, I, don't I, know. I
0: actually think you're right. I I had read something in the dialogue earlier that made me think he was surprised, but I reading through it right now I don't see that. Yeah. So I, I
1: do th- think that they've the story of his original mutation is a similar story. Or the way they tell it is it's him saving his sister.
0: Do you think it got retconned?
1: (laughs) It's possible that they did this and then they're like, oh yeah, let's just make that his origin. Okay. Because at least in the way it's written here, it doesn't look like... They're not saying that here, but maybe, I don't know. I don't know if they intended that and it's just not clear or... I don't know. It's a good story though.
0: It is a good story. And we have... I don't remember in later issues... I guess I'll find out because I'm kind of going back and rereading old stuff. Did Colossus in like our time when we were like super collectors, did he crackle when he turned into metal or did he just kind of sheath over him?
1: I don't think so. I I thought it just kind of grew over him almost.
0: Right. Almost silently kind of. Yeah. Anyway, in here we have a crackle of energy and also he, he doesn't really change size which he doesn't really either he never yeah, really holds he really out does. he always just kind of became metal he's, he's always super buff yeah he's always really regardless good. anyway he runs and catches his sister and breaks the tractor in an awesome cartoon kind of explosion where tires and tractor parts go flying everywhere
1: which it seems to me in real life, that's probably not what ha- would happen.
0: Oh, no, I'm sure it would just crunch up like a car Because tractors it.
1: don't drive very fast. <laughs> this kind of makes it look like this tractor's booking it. Right. But, you know, tractors move pretty well, it's slow. It's got
0: fast action lines behind it.
1: Yeah. It seems to me what would have happened there is the tractor just would have pushed him, and he would they would have just gone, and he would have just slid. Or possibly flipped over, maybe.
0: So, so you think this would be some kind of, like, comedy where the tractor's like, <laughs> <laughs> and Peter's like no <laughs>
1: like Austin Powers on for
0: like 30 seconds
1: yeah like <laughs> Austin Powers in the steamroller
0: yes exactly yeah exactly what I was thinking of I'm sorry I said Peter I should have said Piotr or how, how, you know how that's pronounced I think it's Piotr but okay. I don't know that for sure um, so anyway he breaks the tractor and saves his sister turns back into his human form <clears throat> And Professor X comes to find him. And Colossus says, so you want me to come with you to America? But if... This is why I thought... But maybe he's just saying in general. Yeah. And he says, but if I possess such power, like, almost like he was surprised. But maybe he's just saying it for the sake of argument. Yeah. Now I'm still leaning more towards you now that you've said that.
1: It does kind of... It, it that, that makes it go... That sounds like it could go either way. Right.
0: He says, but if I possess such power as you say, does it not belong to the state? And Professor X gets very American on him. He says, power such as yours belongs to the world, Peter, to be used for the good of all, not to the state.
1: I thought this was, that was a great Cold War reminder of, of uh, the control of communism. Right. But that um, it belongs to the the world, but he could easily (laughs) switch that out to the free market. Right. could easily be you know, I could easily be what that I mean, you know, belongs to anyone
0: right. I do think it's a good thing to say though, actually, it makes sense, and yeah, i I'm gonna go with storm and say that Professor X is being very sincere. yes,
1: I <laughs> no one ever accused him of being a capitalist pig,
0: and uh, Colossus says it sounds like a good idea, but he's to talk it over with his parents first, and his parents are like, well. <laughs> There's wisdom in his words, but I'm happy here. Tell me, what should I do? And his dad says, do as your heart tells you, my son, it will not betray you. And of course he calls his dad Papa, which, you know, a little colloquialism again. Yeah. He goes, my heart tells me to stay, Papa, but my conscience tells me otherwise. I must go, Papa. In fact, I think he says Papa like five times in two panels. <laughs> <laughs> but his you. parents are being very supportive and oh so then we get a daspedania. our love goes with you and he says he's going to go off and make his parents proud so we switched to Camp Verde Arizona where John Proudstar does not like the reservation it says he doesn't like the old one sitting slumped against their doorsteps dreaming dreams of glory long gone so he's out wrestling buffalo (laughs) Um,
1: this is the most I think this is the most the most tied to the the current political state of of all of these
0: yeah we have a guy uh, proud star was a soldier and he came back to the reservation and he felt like the uh, the generation before him were wasting their lives and kind of would you say he looked on it as freeloading, or is that too harsh?
1: No, I think it's more the that their their spirit had been taken from them. Okay, yes, and so and they had given, given up. up. At, he's angry at them for giving up. he's
0: Angry at them and at uh, the the white man, right? Yeah, like he's just yeah. kind of angry at everybody. Yeah. But he, he wrestles the buffalo down, and we get a telepathic thought. And he goes, how in blazes did a cripple get way out here? Not that it matters much. (laughs) I will say, we'll talk more detail about this later, but definitely no PC in 1975. (laughs) Not much. At (laughs) all. But, um, you got a few seconds to vamoose, white eyes. I don't want company, especially yours. And, um, Professor X says he's come to help him fulfill his dream and to give pride back to his people. You were special, John Proudstar. You were a mutant, and you were needed. And you can stuff a cactus cluster. Or custer, like General Custer, yeah. I guess. So again, a lot of rage in this guy. The white man needs me, that's tough. I owe him nothing but the grief he's given my people. Now feed it, beat <laughs> it. <laughs> that song wasn't out yet. No, it wasn't. I offer you a chance to help the world, and you turn your back on me. Perhaps what they say is true. And this one really gets me. He goes, perhaps the Apache are all frightened, selfish children. (laughs) The proud star gets super mad. He says
1: to the vet who just got back from the war. (laughs)
0: Right. But but then, this is like (laughs) the lamest, easiest rollover (laughs) reverse psychology I've ever heard of. Yeah. This proud starts like mad. He's, he's, he's about to walk out, or he is walking off. Professor X goes, well, I guess you're just scared. And he turns around, he's going to hit Professor X and he goes, ain't nobody calls me a coward, mister. I'm as good as the next guy. Hell, I'm better. You give me a chance, I'll prove it. I'm coming with you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it seems like that's like... That was about two steps removed from from Professor X going buck buck
0: buck 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 which would have been better. Yeah, it would have been even better. I mean, we went went. <laughs> you you know get calls very me? a Professor X saying, "But will you? Will any of my new X Men be equal to the task that lies before you, or will you carry the world down into ruin?" <laughs>
1: I like I like. after he's recruited everybody. Right. He then takes a moment to reflect and says, is this going to ruin everything?
0: Right. Am I going to destroy the world? Well, it's not even like, first of all, it's like dramatic much, Professor. <laughs> but second of all, even if like they can't go save the day, right, that's a valid question. Right. Like, will these guys be up to the task or will they fail on the mission? Yeah. But no, it's will these guys be up to the task or will they throw the whole <laughs> entire galaxy into ruination. It's just, I don't know. He's, He's
1: saying that professor X is a self-centered. egotistical. <laughs> He's a megalomaniac.
0: He's a drama queen. That's for sure.
1: Or <laughs> just a straight up drama queen.
0: <laughs> okay. So we start chapter two. Wow. We've done a lot on chapter one. Um, all right, we're trying to move it a little bit. Uh, chapter two. There's a lot happening
1: in chapter one because it's yeah. different well, stories. Well, so. we
0: meet all the characters. Yeah, and that's important. Um, all right, so and then there was one. So all the new X Men are gathered at the mansion, and Professor X is talking to him <laughs> and Colossus has this big smile on his face as he's wearing what looks to me like a circus uniform yeah and he goes In all my life such clothing as this i've never seen the costume is beautiful and the fit perfect but how did you and then we see where he uh he made the costumes from the same unstable molecules that reed richards uses so we have a nice little yeah. like fantastic floor reference
1: i think it's also one of many one of a number of anti-soviet jabs you think so yeah because in this one he's talking about I've never had oh, clothes right, that right. fit me I,
0: I never, <laughs> the, No, know that was a uh, store said that what is the one he said he says he's never seen anything like oh,
1: this oh yeah just so and they have a, there's another panel where his shirt gets ripped and he's like but my mom's not here to sell me another one <laughs> and the early part where he breaks the tractor and he says but they'll never be able to afford a new tractor right right just constant jabs it's a Soviet of Soviet poor. poverty you don't
0: want to move there American westerners exactly Communism will drive us into poverty. Socialism, we cannot abide any tolerance of it.
1: Let me go get my AR-15
0: and let's right. let's talk this out. Texas will <laughs> succeed. <16. laughs> For all you non-Texans out there, we're both in Texas. Yeah. Um, I
1: don't really have an AR 15. And and we
0: don't want (laughs) to (laughs) succeed.
1: We have no interest in secession.
0: I'll leave that to the crazies. Um, All right, so then uh, Colossus and Storm are pretty impressed. I like how Wolverine's just standing in the the very back with his arms crossed. He's cool. He's cool. He's too tough to let his feelings show. Exactly. And he's older, too. Right. I like how Banshee, I can't tell. It's like him and Starfire having a nice, pleasant conversation. I'm not, not <laughs> Starfire. That's the DC chick, uh, Sunfire. But then, see, the mutant everyone forgets. Yeah. <laughs> Can't even remember his name. But then I gotta say, like, it looks like this happens like in two seconds. So I'm gonna imagine that he hops over the guardrail <laughs> and charges at Professor X with his finger extended. Now, you will tell us why you dragged us here. I have no patience. (laughs) So basically, he says, I'm a jerk off.
1: (laughs) Which is funny because it seems like they've been, all they've done is got clothes on. So it's like, how long has this taken that he's so impatient (laughs) to find out why they're there?
0: I also got to say, I kind of prefer that uh, I don't really like the color scheme of Colossus' uniform, but I like the blue pants better than the bare thighs yes Which we get very soon
1: yes the the pants are on a man pants are always better than bare <laughs> thighs yes <laughs> and it's in the
0: 70s too so right so basically sunfire gets impatient and cyclops says he won't waste their time anymore and he introduces them to scott summers the man called cyclops he will fill you in on the details and Cyclops goes, The details, people, are surprisingly simple. You've been called here because the X Men have disappeared. So he basically says that these seven new mutants are the only help or the only hope of, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Come on, I may as well show you where it all began. Let's get so he dying. takes them to Cerebro and they're going to find their friends. So basically, they flash back, to, to the original X-Men. At this point, uh, Havoc and Polaris have become full-time X-Men. Which is funny, because where, re- where the old continuity left off, they were on their way back to the mansion. But they never got there. <laughs> Interesting. So, that all happened off-panel. But anyway, so we see the X-Men, and they, determ- they detect a giant blip on Cerebro. And they decide they better go find out what's going on. A mutant so powerful as to defy classification. So they get in the. Um, oh, I like how it says, you heard of the Professor X Men, it's traveling time. Which I <laughs> automatically think of the thing and it's uh, clobbering time. <laughs> it's traveling time. So they get in the, not the Blackbird, but the specially designed Stratojet, and they take off for the island. Okay, uh, kind of run through this real fast. So basically, the X-Men go to the island, and they determine they get attacked. They all get taken out, and Cyclops wakes up on the stratojet, and it's on autopilot, and he can't turn it around, but also he he doesn't have his eye beams. And his clothes are all ripped up, and (laughs) the panel of him with his super red eyes screaming is pretty awesome.
1: That is pretty awesome.
0: He goes, they're, they're normal, powerless. However hard how I try, I can't project my optic blast. Did you hear me, world? I can't. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the world is listening.
0: And that's when he discovered he was on the jet by himself. <laughs> he says, I spent the next five minutes pounding futilely on the control panel. More 70s specific time in the stories.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: And he wasn't happy by the time he got home, which we know, because he slams the door. And Professor X asks where the others are, and he explains that he doesn't remember anything. Then his eyes start to glow. And he covers his hands. And he goes, No, not again. Don't let it happen again. And then his optic blasts are back with a vengeance, and he blows up everything in the room. <laughs> So the professor modified one of his old visors and went off to find you YI I trained. So basically, Cyclops stayed home to work out the return of his powers because they were gone for so long. Yeah. But I guess they are more powerful. So anyway, now the X-Men are here. And we, Wolverine. we have his first interaction with Cyclops, which lays the foundation for... Years of um, awkward, unsteady friendship. Yeah. <laughs> where they kind of antagonize Deep-seated each other. Animosity. Yeah. And Wolverine's like, and he found us, so now what? <laughs> and so he says he's going to take him back to where he last saw the X Men to try to rescue him. And Sunfire's like, nope, not going to do it. <laughs> Which. Then why did he just stay in Japan? <laughs> like, what the hell?
1: He just wanted some new suit. <laughs> maybe. Says, I'm going
0: to go help you with your mission, Professor. Nope. <laughs> I'm out. I didn't say anything about rescuing anybody.
1: <laughs> maybe he thought it was going to be on TV.
0: Right. He says, I don't even like my fellow mutant cyclops. <laughs> I certainly would not risk my life to help them.
1: Oh, Sunfire!
0: And Cyclops says he feels sorry for him, but fine, whatever. Do your thing. And they all get in the strato jet, and they head towards the island. and then Sunfire flies by, and he, he just—he has a change of heart. <laughs> he was just uh, throwing. someone says he was just oh, throwing a hissy right. fit. I think no, we got—we got to talk about some of this. I was gonna to try to skip over it, but so so everyone keeps calling Cyclops one eye. <laughs> And then Cyclops responds by saying, I see it, Geronimo. (laughs) And then someone says, I'm assuming it's Banshee, because who else would say Jiggered? He says, I'll be Jiggered, one eye, the Jap. (laughs) There you go. The Jap. No PC. All right. So, um... And Nightcrawler, because we'll find out later he's religious, he says, The Prodigal Mutant Returns. Why did you change your mind, Sunfire? You're afraid to go home alone? (laughs) And he says, His reasons are no one, or says, My reasons are no one but my own. All right, Chapter 3, Assault Force. So we land on the island, and here we get Wolverine. Uh, Remember in, in his first appearance, he was pretty quippy. So we get a quip, he says... Can't say much for your taste in the vacation spots, Summers. <laughs> Cyclops, again, we're we're deepening the antagonism. He says, and I can't say much for your sense of humor, Wolverine, nor yours, Thunderbird. That's his code name, Thunderbird. Thunderbird. Okay. There you go. Of course, I probably forgot because he hates it so much. He goes, <laughs> the name is Proud Star, One Eye why did they give him a code name? well but also it's like you must call me by my name I will refuse to call you by yours right
1: (laughs) yeah don't they pick their own names it seems like
0: no no he says not anymore the professor has given you all codenames group oh yeah you might as well start getting used to them then he splits them up storm and colossus will go to the north banshee and wolverine will go in the east she tries to be nice and goes, 'Tis a pleasure to be working with you, laddie. <laughs> Wolverine's like, Whoopee. <laughs> so Wolverine still has a bad attitude. I'm glad that's carried over. Yeah. Um Sunfall sunfire and nightcrawler will go to the south. And Sunfire's like, No, not him. <laughs> and And Cyclops, I guess, because he feels like he's going to pick the person that's going to cause the most trouble to be on his team, him and Thunderbird will go to the West. So Sunfire and Nightcrawler jump out. (laughs) Banshee and Wolverine jump out. And again, Wolverine with the cripes. We had that in his first appearance, too. You have to screech like that. And remember, Wolverine has heightened senses. Oh, that's true. So, Banshee's scream is probably like a dog whistle to him.
1: Yeah, it's probably pretty brutal. I also like
0: he's just holding on his ankles. <laughs> <laughs> like, like very precariously. And then Colossus and Storm jump out. But Colossus just jumps, so Storm has to jump out and catch him. Then Cyclops lands the jet, and him and Thunderbird fight some more. They argue some more. He goes, "Yes, sir, General One Eye." I just hope you're not leading into another Little Bighorn.
1: That's that's two references: Custer and then Little Bighorn.
0: Yeah. So, like like I said, very angry young man. Yeah. Then the uh, the jet disappears, but the island he goes. The ground doesn't just open up and swallow a jet plane whole, but as we find out, it? it, it does. This Cyclops sees a temple that comes out of nowhere and they're going to head towards it. So they fight some vines and then they get to the temple again. Precise time. 14 minutes later. (laughs) The seventies and their precise time. All right. So then we see Wolverine and Banshee and they get crabs, giant crabs, so but this is good because we've seen some good Wolverine first and this is where we see that Wolverine even though we haven't been explained that he has a healing factor yet we know that his healing factor can take care of STDs <laughs> <laughs> so on the east side of the island they fight giant crabs um, Wolver- uh, Banshee calls them a laddie again says look at the size of them beasties so we get the O with an apostrophe Wolverine makes another joke. This one's not as funny. He says, looks like the local welcoming committee, Irish. Is that? Is that? I guess that's better than him saying Mick. (laughs) But I don't know. Do you really call Irish people Irish? Is that like a thing? I don't know. I guess so. But a handshake from one of them could be fatal. So he pops his claws. And again, like you said, the, the real thick, curvy claws. Yeah. He says, good thing they're not the only one with big sharp claws. The Wolverine has claws of his own. and Irish, he likes to use them. And then he (laughs) kind of taunts Banshee for standing around. But again, we see that Wolverine is very much kind of impetuous, a man of action. He doesn't waste a lot of time thinking it out. So Banshee uses a sonic scream to... Make a crab dinner. They're going to do some stuffed crab later. The battle is violent. But brief. And so then they find. Storm and Colossus. And they all see the temple. And they're going to head that way. And then eventually they all. Meet at the temple. Except for Sunfire and Nightcrawler. And then they come. And we see. uh, Nightcrawler's first teleportation. And we get. Uh, from the get-go, the, the burst of flame and the stench of brimstone. Yeah, so that's right off cool. The bat. Then we see that Sunfire's powers to shoot sunbeams, and he burns up some birds. <laughs> <laughs> Sets some eagles on fire. And then they get to the temple. So they all go inside the temple. They're trying to find a secret door, but Colossus just hits his way through it. And they see that all the X-Men are attached to vines. And they got to try to figure out how to get them loose. So Wolverine lets go with another cripes. And he says, as soon as we started cutting the tubes, the place started shaking. So they decide, you're right, we better get out of here fast. So they grab the X-Men, and they run outside. And Angel gets mad for saving them, because he says, "You were just bait." (laughs) And then we find out that the, there's not a mutant on the island, but the mutant is the island. And we have Chapter 4, Kroa, the island that walks like a man. Walk like a man, talk <laughs> like a man. So then we see a flashback somehow. Why do we see a flashback?
1: It just tells you for whatever reason.
0: Yeah. So we see reader. that there was a, a, a nuclear test... On an island and that turned the island and everything kind of formed together into one consciousness and the whole island became Krakoa.
1: So wait, he's not actually a mutant in the same vein of a, a human who's evolved differently.
0: No, he's an immune caused by radiation.
1: So he's like a classic nuclear sci-fi, sci-fi, sci-fi monster. Yeah. So probably they should have used a different term.
0: Well, but- okay. And... We'll get into this now. This is a good time. Um, The X-Men are kind of hit and miss on their origins as far as modern time. Pretty much all mutants are just born that way. Yeah. But Professor X's first origin was that his dad was on a military base and he was exposed to radiation. And so and so he That's was true. born with mutant that. powers, but he was born because his parents were exposed.
1: Oh, I see. I forgot about that.
0: And even like, because they call them the children of the atoms. So even in, in Marvel lore, mutation in general was caused by people being exposed to radiation and mutants being born. Yeah. And the chromosome mutating. Now... That's been all kinds of retcon. We have Apocalypse. There's a mutant from ancient Egypt. Yeah. Um, A few years ago in in X-Men, we had a story about these things called proto-mutants. I know you never read that, but basically like a race of mutants before mutants. Hmm. So the whole like sci-fi cold war fear of nuclear activity doesn't really carry over. But at this point, it still fits kind of where the mutants came from.
1: Okay, that makes sense. But in this case, it's not even... It wasn't even originally a man.
0: No, it was an island or that, that gained consciousness yeah. from the radiation.
1: So it, even in that in that vein, this is still something totally different. Yeah,
0: I, I, I agree with you. It's still much more of but a But I don't know a, what other term they'd a monster. use. monster.
1: Yeah, I don't know what other term they'd use other than a monster, but they don't...
0: So but somehow, Krakoa grew hungry... A hunger barely appeased when the X-Men arrived upon the scene. So he decided to feed upon their mutant energies. But he needed more X-Men to come. Or thought he did. I don't know how he knew there would be more X-Men. But I don't know. He let Cyclops go. he goes, And now we will grow hungry no longer. <laughs> so he's just
1: going to eat forever on these people.
0: So Cyclops gets mad and is like, yes, we used you, of course we did. But the time for explanations is past because, of, <laughs> because the origin's over. <laughs> right. And so Cyclops tells the X-Men to scatter, but Wolverine does the opposite. He jumps on him and tries to, to stab him with his claws. And he goes, you lily livers want to scatter that swell, but the Wolverine is going out for blood.
1: I like how he not only refers to himself in the third person in this a bunch, right. but also with with the, not just Wolverine. Oh, yeah. The Wolverine. That's true.
0: But the Wolverine.
1: It was earlier he said the Wolverine has claws.
0: <laughs> we see more fighting, and they decide if they, they all focus their powers at the same time, maybe they can defeat him, but that doesn't even really work. Professor X decides to check in on the mission. <laughs> Scott, stop. You're doing about this all wrong.
1: <laughs> I like that part. He's been watching the whole time. Right, right. And he's like, I you're all doing it wrong.
0: <laughs> right. I'm going to tell you now to do the right thing. <laughs> because I've been mentally monitoring your battle thus far, studying this living island. And I believe I discovered this weak spot. And so... Um, He's going to give him a plan, and he projects his mental commands half a world away. Then he closes his eyes and stills himself for the coming ordeal, and the battle is joined. That's not a comic book phrase. I've never heard one. <laughs> um, and we have a war fought on two fronts. Professor X. Mental with the crazed community intellect while his students carry out his plan. So storm decides to um, make a change in pressure, and they all focus their energies on Polaris. Did you get lost a little bit in here? Because little bit. Okay, it kind of gets because
1: right. everybody's doing something, but not really clear who's doing.
0: Yeah, we get some comic book doing. logic um, <laughs> that doesn't quite all add up. Uh, let's see. So Polaris uses her magnetic powers. So somehow her and Storm combine.
1: Attracting maybe the magnetism and the electricity. There's some kind of connection there, I guess. Right. Is, is That's what I kind of thought.
0: Yeah, and of course, uh, Havoc is worried about his girlfriend, but Cyclops says that they have to risk it, even if it is a woman you love. Which yeah. is classic Cyclops. Yes. Uh, Then Havoc throws his energy in there, too. Banshee says Bagora again. (laughs) I have to look that up. Yeah. Um, Sorry, you're kind of stumbling through this, but it it doesn't really make that much sense to me. Um, Professor X passes out, and then they all shoot their powers into Polaris. I don't think we're supposed to understand this. <laughs> Probably not. Well, you
1: know, and back in back in the old days, too, and even still some of the present, but there was a, in the old days, there was a whole lot of just everybody firing whatever power they right, had right. at the same time. And, and it just, just
0: magically makes, yeah. like, the perfect combination to do what they need to do.
1: They didn't spend much time trying to figure out exactly how each of these powers would, right. would affect differently. So they're just like, everybody fire.
0: But then Polaris burrows through five miles of ocean, 4,000 miles of the Earth's ancient crust. I know she has super magnetic powers. I know she's probably moving really damn fast. But it seems like by the time she went through five miles of ocean and 4,000 miles of crust, that maybe Krakoa could have eaten all the X-Men. I don't
1: know. You know, this whole time thing is funny to me anyway. <laughs> I-
0: Everything is very specific. Time, distance. Well, it's it's so
1: specific, but then it's... It's weird that everything's taking so long.
0: Well, you know, but it's also weird that everything's taking so long. But you have all the specific time and distance. Right. And a very like oh, their powers just go together. <laughs> right. Not the magnetic power met with ten degrees of solar flare, you know, whatever. Like it seems like that would be like a Scientific yeah. thesis. They're over specific
1: out. on the easy stuff, right. so they can fudge the complicated I, stuff. Like I this. think
0: it is. It's compensation. I think you nailed it.
1: It may well be it.
0: But it's just funny because it's
1: like he. How long has has he had these the original X Men? He's been eating on them. It was like Colossus uh-huh. goes back. He learns his powers again. Professor X he's goes Cyclops. R- physically a Cyclops. Yeah. I mean, learns his powers again. Professor X travels all around the world <laughs> recruiting X-Men, <laughs> brings them back, teaches them English through their brain, gets them some clothes. Well, and then they sit on this mission. It's like, wh- what is, what has Krakoa been doing this whole time with all these X-Men?
0: Because he's waiting for Cyclops to bring back more bait. So he's, he's he's pacing himself with the X-Men.
1: I guess so. But it's like if he's hungry, why is he not eating them?
0: <laughs> I don't know.
1: And then the same thing here. It's like she's, she's traveling 4,000 miles, which I'm not even sure. 4,000 miles. I'm assuming they did the research. The Earth's circumference is like 12,000 miles, isn't it?
0: Seems like it should be more than that, but I don't know.
1: It does seem that, but I think that's true. So it's I don't think that crust, from here to the Earth's, it. I know, I'm just saying. Okay. I think that, I've read that somewhere, I could be wrong.
0: Well, no, that's actually probably right, because the country, America's like, what, thirteen, fifteen hundred 1,500 mm-hmm. miles
1: wide? Yeah, yeah something like so, that.
0: yeah, I guess you do 12 of those, you got the world, probably. Yeah. All right.
1: I think so. But anyway, either way, so 4,000 miles, That's that's got to be well into the, the magma middle, whatever the middle part of the Earth is.
0: Okay, hey, well, if it's twelve thousand around, then it's twelve thousand around. If you went from one side to the other, that's twelve. No, it's twelve around.
1: Yeah, twelve around. So
0: what's the what's? I don't remember my algebra. I don't know what the radius is.
1: I don't know either, but it's got to be. It's
0: pi times something.
1: Probably six thousand miles. I mean, I'm gonna pretend, because anyway.
0: at this time, Chris Claremont is an intern in the <laughs> X offices. I'm gonna pretend that he spent a lot of time making sure this was right. <laughs>
1: Okay, we'll take his word for it.
0: <laughs> so somehow this works. The island starts to—he loses his humanoid form, and he starts to fall apart. And Iceman, <laughs> who was in love with uh, Polaris when they first met, he fights with Havoc, and they have a little spat over who's going to save Polaris. <laughs> um, but they—Cyclops says we have only seconds to get off the island. And <laughs> Thunderbird says holy crow <laughs> and let's see they don't have the strato jet so Iceman makes a giant ice raft and Cyclops and Havoc combine their powers to propel the ice raft away from the island and whatever Polaris did makes some kind of reverse magnetism from the earth's core and shoots Krakoa into space.
1: Yeah, I guess so. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. Again, we'll take Chris Claremont's word
0: for it. I mean, that's, that's what would happen, right? If you, if you dug a super magnet into the core, it would send a magnetic backlash through the hole you dug.
1: Only if Krokoa was magnetized. <laughs> Wouldn't he have to be a magnet for that to work? I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure it works right. I'm sure it makes sense.
0: Oh, well, it says... All right. It says she severed the Earth's natural magnetic lines. And for an instant, about the island Krakoa, gravity ceased to exist. Okay. So she doesn't use magnetic force to shoot him up. She just takes away gravity.
1: Which almost makes less sense. (laughs) But... Okay.
0: Yeah. Either way, Krakoa
1: flies in his face. But if there's no gravity, wouldn't it just float? (laughs) Why is it it moving so fast?
0: That's a very good question. Oh, it says, okay. Oh, all right. So it says gravity ceased to exist around the island. Then the Earth forces...
2: <laughs> the not, Earth. That's forces. not specific
0: at all. They, they can't make up their mind. They want to be super detailed or super vague. But the Earth forces come violently together, and the effect is the same as squeezing wet soap through a fist. Okay. So basically, nature abhors a vacuum. That that's actually true. So I guess there's where the gravity ceases to exist. There's nothingness, and the Earth, the rest of Earth forces its way into that space and shoots the island into space. All right. So we have... Good enough. Yeah. Somehow the island is up in space, and the X-Men are <laughs> stuck in the ocean on an ice, on an raft. ice raft.
1: Which is kind of cool.
0: And, you know, then there's a whirlpool where the island was. So Cyclops tells Iceman to make an ice dome over the raft.
1: Yeah, if she goes 4,000 miles down in the water on the earth, won't the water all pour down in that, which no, would pretty much empty the ocean out?
0: Like a bathtub.
1: Yeah. So then there would be an ocean, 4,000 miles of a hole in the ground. So the
0: ice bubble well, is sucked really, into the whirlpool, and those within are battered almost senselessly against its cold, unfeeling walls. <laughs> not to mention, they're probably freezing their asses off. I would think so. And then the whirlpool stops and obviously the ice dome bobs up to the surface. There you go. Here we just have minutes. I don't we don't know how many minutes it is. Minutes, yeah. Oh. I don't I don't know why. I'm gonna assume it's twelve.
1: That sounds like that sounds like a fair number.
0: Yeah. So twelve <laughs> minutes later. And then they throw off the ice dome and they're all happy. Oh, and <laughs> this part funnels me, me in a way that I don't think we can come up with a, a <laughs> satisfying exp- explanation. Okay. The jet got swallowed by the island. Yeah. Correct? Right. When the island shoots into space, I'm assuming it took all its contents with it. So, the only possible explanation... First of all, the stupid-ass air, water tight aircraft was such as <laughs> dumb. The the fact that this plane would supposedly just float and bob on the surface is retarded. But I'm assuming the only thing I can think of is Krakoa ate the island. It didn't really suit well with his stomach, and he pooped it out into the ocean.
1: That was going to be my first guess, okay. is that, that he ate the... He ate the ship and then took a dump.
0: Yeah, okay. But it's going to be clean, because salt water cleaned it off. It's sanitary.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So they all get on board, and angel apologizes for... No, I'm sorry, Jean Grey apologizes for not having seats for everybody, but it was only designed to carry so many mutants.
1: Which is the first, like... There's too many people in this X-Men team. Moment, which the classic X-Men deals with a lot.
0: Right. And so an angel says, what are we going to do with 13 X-Men?
1: Foreshadowing.
0: Right. All right. So we end there. Um, You want to talk about that first or go right into the classic stuff? Let's go right into the
1: classic stuff because it all fits together really well. All
0: right. So, classic starts off with Cyclops showing up in the mansion. It's kind of reverse
1: order. Yeah, we basically. get the
0: flashback first, and then we get the actual reprint of the the recruitment. So we just skip all that. Oh, let's go through it again. <laughs> <laughs> but in this telling, we have posters of the X Men that are missing. <laughs> And we, we kind of just skip over the battle. And then we get to the extra part that Claremont added on the end. And so, you want to cover that? Yeah. Okay. I want you kind of run through that one. Like I've done oh, oh, you mean The run lion the- chair, of the talking, so.
1: <laughs> so for this one, we skip the battle, basically, and it's... There's Krakoa, a monster, and then it's all over. Right. And then back at the mansion... And all the extra stuff is really about them struggling with the fact that there's new X Men. Right. There's all these new X Men. So you have.
0: Which I understand the plane was too cramped, but the, the X Mansion should be big enough.
1: No, but it's 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 a it's it's it was, I think it's I was really interesting. I like the way they did it. Okay. So it starts out with Professor Xavier basically <laughs> peeping on everybody through his mind, <laughs> yes, listening so we, to everyone's conversations. So. And then we go to, you got Havoc and Polaris talking about how it's weird. There's all these people. But basically, they come to the conclusion that that means that they're not needed anymore so that they can go off and, I guess, be normal people. Well, they're going to they
0: go back to school, right?
1: Oh, that's right. Go back to college, finish yeah. their degrees. They don't say that, but Professor Xavier says that. And then when they start smooching, he quits listening, which I guess <laughs> right. is good to let let us know that he's not a creeper. Right. He just hears there. So then we go to Gene Gray and Cyclops. Um, mentioning, mentions Banshee playing his country music on the piano, which is of course funny. <laughs> and then Gene Gray's trying to get Cyclops to go hang out with everybody, but Cyclops is, you know, he's by the book. He's gotta finish his.
0: <laughs> he's gotta write his post report.
1: His, yeah, what is it, his action action report while, his, while the memories action, are fresh. Action. Like he's gonna forget about the right. giant monster that they just fought. <laughs>
0: What happened there? No, okay, but to be fair, he's the leader of the X-Men. And several of the X-Men kind of coughed an attitude with him, so he's got to ride him up. That's what I think he's doing. <laughs> I think he's trying to get Thunderbird and Wolverine in detention.
1: That's that's probably more accurate. So, So he won't go with her, so then she basically takes off. She pouts. She pouts and goes off into the woods for some reason <laughs> to think about how she knows Scott loves her because she's a telepath but it's hard for him to express it but then she says she throws the gauntlet down but if they're going to be together he's going to have to learn to express it but if she can read his mind why does he really need to express it?
0: You know you've been married <laughs> for how long? <laughs> I do but it's just a funny
1: thing like I can read his mind so I know that he loves me but unless he's willing to tell me I I don't know I guess I I'd take, I'd take that back
0: yeah he needs to have the impetus to he needs th- to, to take it. ownership of it.
1: Yeah, there you go. All right, so then we go to a really creepy looking banshee. Yeah,
0: this one he does. He looks.
1: He looks like a wrestler. I'm trying to think. It. He looks like somebody <laughs> he looks specific. Like Rowdy Roddy Piper. Rod- <laughs> That's who it is. He looks like Rowdy Roddy Piper. <laughs> so he's banging away to something on the on the uh, piano. We get some more boyos and a few more. Uh, <laughs> Accents, and they're basically they're talking about what they do. So he plays the piano. Um, so, uh, Colossus plays, uh, draws, so his yeah. sister can know about it. Which that's something they stick, they keep with for they a long do stick time. with
0: that. But I, I like the. i had forgotten that's why he started drawing. Was, yeah. So I relate almost like he's drawing a comic book for his sister. Yeah, back
1: basically on. to give her the give her what's going on.
0: But yes, the art, the gentle. Well, we'll talk more about that when yeah. we talk about the because we're going to kind of summarize summarize the characters here in a minute.
1: Yeah, we get our first Tovarish from uh, oh, oh yeah, Colossus who calls everybody. You know toverish. what that means? I think it's friend brother? or something. Oh okay, friend or brother. Something friend. like that. We get we get a comrade, <laughs> but I think we already had a comrade.
0: So how come Thunderbird doesn't call everybody Kimozabi?
1: <laughs> oh man. There's problems with that, I think. Yeah, <laughs> I my mean, glasses just hit the microphone. Sorry about that. No, that's okay. All right, so then they're hanging out talking, and the nightcrawler is super creepy, and just appears in the dark with his yellow eyes. But I
0: like the Farlane-esque like eyes in the shadow. Yeah,
1: almost looks like Spawn. It does. And he says, "Not bad, mein friend."
0: Yeah, mein Freund. So we get mein some Freund, German the old there, German. yeah.
1: And then Colossus turns into steel this is where he rips his shirt
0: yeah (laughs) that's that's different because when he transformed in mother russia he didn't rip any clothes
1: we didn't have a shirt on he had a wife oh yeah he did have a tank top i don't know yeah but so he rips his shirt and then complains (laughs) that his mom's not there to sell him a new one
0: so not only are they poor in (laughs) in communist russia but they're also mama's boys
1: yeah well he did have to to ask his parents to permission to go to true
0: true because you have no freedom over there that's right no freedom
1: America. America. (laughs) All right, so then Nightcrawler appears and then says, what's the matter? Never seen a demon teleport from place to place before, which, of course, no one's seen that. (laughs) So that's kind of a funny question. And then he makes some more comments about him being a demon and a monster, which I was thinking about from the very beginning, from his introduction, Nightcrawler seems to constantly go back to the I'm not a monster, you're a monster routine. Yes. There's a whole lot of that. He, and
0: he calls the mob like, yeah, they are the, the monsters. real monsters, not me.
1: And he does that later here. So anyway, so it's kind of a funny thing. And then he shows off his mad juggling skills from the from the circus. And this is where we get Iceman, Bobby oh the Antagonist. Goodness, I really like this. And Do I'll, you? Okay. We'll, but I'll talk about why. We'll hold on to that when we get into some broader. Okay, all right, yeah. Broader ideas about why why I think this is important here. So so you got Bobby who's really angry that they're there. He doesn't like the change. He doesn't right. like the difference. He's the real X-Men. They're fake X-Men. Although he became an X-Men because Professor X invited him to the school. Right. So arguably the same thing's happening. But in <laughs> yeah. his mind, he was there first. That makes him the real one. So he gets mad and is basically really mean to everybody. So then Uh, Banshee and Nightcrawler and Colossus all debate maybe they should go they're not wanted here and then Nightcrawler says we're not the monsters he's the monster (laughs) basically (laughs) that they shouldn't have to leave that they're just as equal because Professor X asked him which is what all these guys keep saying Professor X asked us here that's why we're here so they keep on with that All right. so we move along now we have I started to say Warpath 2
0: yeah it's, it's hard Thunderbird yeah
1: Thunderbird I mean not John to Proudstone. spoil
0: but the guy's not around very long so he's kind of easy True. to forget
1: and he looks almost exactly the same that, that, well, it's the same outfit now, it is on purpose
0: because so. Warpath uses the same costume
1: oh yeah that's right yeah. so there you go so then he runs into Bobby and, and he initially is at least pretends to be friendly with uh, Iceman with uh, Hey Iceman just kind of a quick, friendly, and then of course,
0: the Nice man chomps his teeth, and then yeah, like Iceman
1: jumps at him and scolds him and basically tells him to explore. <laughs> he says, "You want you Did want he to explore say about the reservation?" Now he says, yeah. um, "Thunderbird says this mansion is pretty big. If you're not too busy, how's about sharing a few of its secrets?" Which is oddly friendly for yeah. all the rest of the interactions he's had with right, everybody. Right. And Bobby says, you want to explore, go right ahead. Everything's labeled so you can't get lost, assuming you can read.
0: Oh, uh, that's, that's Which, okay. Which,
1: why would he not be able to read?
0: Because he's an Indian.
1: They have schools on the reservation.
0: No, they're all alcoholics and <laughs> don't learn anything. That's the argument, I guess. Yeah, it is stupid. And we'll it talk, is a strange... Uh, we'll talk more about that, too. It seemed,
1: um, of all the things that a person would jump to, to if you're going to be mean to a native american of all the things you might say to them accusing them of being illiterate seems to be pretty far down the list
0: you think things so like i don't know i would I- think so
1: but maybe not I mean, you think you'd go with like a savage or some kind of religious reference or yeah <laughs> i don't know <coughs> smell like buffalo i don't know okay. right anyway so anyway, so then he calls bobby ombre i like that no need for an attitude ombre i like that too which is pretty funny this is just trying to be friendly Bobby says I'm not interested (laughs) (laughs) I've got enough friends I like that part and then he has (laughs) and he calls him Buster I think that's my favorite moment (laughs) don't don't you understand Buster that's one of my favorite lines in the whole comic right there and this is when he goes into the you're not really X-Men and then he freezes Thunderbird into a solid block of ice and Thunderbird just breaks out of it
0: Probably kill him.
1: <laughs> I would think it would probably <laughs> free him to death pretty quickly. Or at least send us into, send him into some kind of stas- stasis.
0: stasis? Yeah. Suspended animation?
1: I don't know. But whatever. So he gets mad and then he breaks the ice. Literally. And then, <laughs> and then we go back to Jean Grey who apparently has been listening in on this conversation and she says Oh Bobby. And then talks a little bit about Basically, you know, how she can hear everybody's thoughts and how she's disappointed with Bobby for acting the way he's acting. Right. And then she starts to go on kind of what Havoc and Polaris were talking about earlier about possibly being needed, whether she's needed there anymore, all of which is setting up X-Factor, which I'm assuming is basically what they're doing with this comic.
0: Maybe so, maybe so, At least in some
1: ways, kind of setting up, because all the characters who will eventually be X-Factor are the ones who are talking right. about not being needed and then...
0: Let's see I can see exactly when that came out. No, keep going. I'm going so,
1: to So then Wolverine pops up and starts hitting on Jean Grey almost immediately. Uh, you
0: you got to quote some of that.
1: Oh, yeah. You got to go. I'll go through that. So he says, Lady as lovely as you shouldn't ever frown, which is pretty classic, I think. It's pretty classy. <laughs> and she says, Wolverine, you startled me. And for some reason she didn't notice notice that he was there. <laughs> he offers her a beer. Which there's several moments, and this is part of the, the argument that I guess all these folks are older. Because there's several drinking related instances. True. Because Bobby says, says I'm not old not, enough to right,
0: drink. Right, right, right.
1: Which I don't know how many but,
0: see, but I think that's part of the retcon though. But maybe it wasn't from the original. I don't
1: know. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. That's a good point. So, but yeah, that's but a big point. to part. answer
0: your question, uh, X Factor, when this came out, X Factor had been out for a couple of months. Okay. So it's definitely like so there you go. explaining kind so of when they kind of
1: the Yeah, this is kind of the background of where they, where they why they left, I guess. So of course, Jean Grey says, no, thank you. And then um, he continues to hit on her pretty. And Wolverine's smoking. Pretty easy. He's smoking a cigar. He says, He's the He says, kind of man I am, darling. Know what I want the minute I lay eyes on it. And what Wolverine wants, he gets.
0: Douchebag!
1: <laughs> and then he talks about how he can tell her heart's pounding. Right. And that she's breathing faster, which she makes him think that it's true. And she says, no. Which and then he says, want to be bet. Which, yeah, he just startled her. So clearly... Yeah. Excuse me. For any reason, he's probably she's probably going to be breathing fast. Right. Anyway, and then it goes into Wolverine. No, please. This is a mistake. Like he's about to rape her. <laughs> well, I, Did you get yeah. that feeling like like he's <laughs> about to pounce on her? Right. She's like, "No, wait." Or or she's about to, you know, get drop her clothes. And, yeah, right. which later she talks about that, I guess, but Yeah. It was kind of a weird escalation there. This
0: is definitely like I've always wondered, and I don't remember now still, where in like, because again, this is kind of after the fact. Right. I don't really remember exactly when, I guess, in real time, they started exploring... Wolverine's crush or attraction to Jean Grey. Yeah, but they're definitely trying to say what this that it was from the from very the beginning.
1: beginning. Yeah, I've always felt like that was a later development. I they just did kind of, too. because I didn't ever even think about it or notice it. And you know, I was little when I read a lot of these earlier right. ones, so maybe yeah, I just didn't too. pick up on it. But I didn't really notice it being a thing until much later. So I, I always kind of felt like I always kind of felt like this was like you say, kind of a retcon thing. Right. They just kind of said, Oh, actually. So anyway, so while Wolverine is uh, making moves on Jean gray, we go up into the sky where we have, um, storm flying through the sky. Angel shows up, starts hitting on her. Everybody's yeah. hitting on everybody. It's Why the eighties.
0: but so, Angel, yeah. Hey, angels is a millionaire playboy. He, exactly. He would go after the That's hot, true. exotic woman.
1: That's, that makes sense. So, so he's up in the sky. She's noticing the environment, talking about Africa as the cradle of life, but America as the land humanity came to last. America.
0: <laughs> I, I, I don't think that's too bad. No, I mean, it's that, not. That, but it's actually a good kind of poetic way of saying that.
1: Yeah, I think so too. But I, it's definitely like a, this is <laughs> we've we've perfected it. So come, right, come right. to America. The
0: city on a hill.
1: So. So she flies around. Then we got. Uh, and so anyway, so angel shows up, says, "Tell me what's a gorgeous angel like you doing in a place like this?" Which is clever because he's the angel. Right, but he's calling uh-huh. her the uh-huh. angel.
0: I bet, I I bet. How many times did he look in the mirror in his dorm room and, <laughs> <press the mechanism laughs> and practice and say that line, like over and over and over again? I, I hope make, it was a lot. Yeah, I until hope he got it was a lot. just right.
1: So then they go along here, and they, a um, little bit of back and forth, he talks about how it's lonely to soar through the skies by yourself sometimes, and she agrees, so it sounds like they're uh, about to be friendly, and then he starts to get a little more aggressive with it, talking about, what does he say, he says, oh, he says, you storm, oh, it's what he says, oh, he said, he's a kid, about Bobby, he's talking about how... Bobby's being angry at everybody and, and Angel says he's a kid he doesn't appreciate the possibilities the way I do Storm <laughs> says what possibilities Angel says you Storm or you Storm me us making beautiful music together a <laughs> symphony of motion and emotion nice. classic and she says I do not understand because obviously she's <laughs> African so she's not going to guess this get these references
0: right I'm gonna stop you real fast um Overall, what do you think of um, John Bolton's art?
1: I'm not a fan of the faces. Well, <laughs> Otherwise, I, I think it's to, pretty good.
0: I think it's pretty good too, but I thought of that because this panel of Angel right there, he that looks,
1: is horrible. He looks evil. He looks like an he old lady. Sick.
0: <laughs> he looks like his head's not on his neck right. Yeah. Like It looks like his neck is on the back of his head. Yeah, the, so like all the he men. If you were standing up straight, he'd always be looking at the sky. All the men faces are really ugly. Not a huge really fan ugly. of Wolverine's uh, sideburns. Yeah, him
1: either. He looks like Andre the Giant in that picture.
0: Yeah, he does kind of look like Andre the yeah. Giant.
1: Yeah, the women faces aren't bad. No. They're kind of featureless. I kind of like the. Uh,
0: I guess you would call them the soft inks.
1: Yeah, there's I not guess like a lot call. of
0: hard lines. Like almost kind of painted.
1: Yeah. But, like, this one of Bobby here. Yeah. That looks like out of King of the Hill. Could be Bobby from King of the (laughs) Hill. The (laughs) The way the mouth is weirdly shaped.
0: Right. Uh, Anyway, you can carry on.
1: Yeah, so, but, yeah, I mean, the body, the body and the action is all good. But, yeah, something about the faces is just really weird. So, he starts to, uh, so he, he pushes this farther. And when she says she doesn't understand, he says, it's something better explained with deeds, not words, starting with a kiss. And, but then he notices what we find out he notices Wolverine and Jean Grey so he zooms down and
0: I, doesn't he might like pretend that he's doing this like for Scott's honor yeah yeah and he's gonna save Scott's girl from Wolverine exactly
1: so he jumps down and grabs Wolverine and throws him across into the wall asks she, if she's okay calls him a creep and Jean Grey says are you insane we were just talking which a few panels ago it seemed like he was coming on too strong. <laughs> right. And now it's, oh, we were just talking. We were just so, talking.
0: Chill out. You know, like I say, that panel is awesome.
1: That's an awesome I panel. always
0: like like when there's a black background and they do like a white outline on the characters. Yeah. I don't know who that's the first person to do that was, but I always really enjoy that.
1: Yeah, it makes it stand out really well. But yeah, so in this panel, the panel we're talking about, you have Angel pointing at Wolverine and Wolverine coming up with his claws, getting ready to fight, which... It's got to be like the worst fight ever. I mean, there's no possible way Angel could even do anything to no. hurt Wolverine. I mean, it's like
0: that's just fly, all he can do is fly away.
1: That's a fight that's going to end right there right. in two seconds. So but then Gene Archangel,
0: Gray, maybe,
1: maybe because he's got all the blades. At least stuff, a good but, fight. Yeah, at least a good fight. But yeah, this with the feather wings, he's just going to cut his wings off. And <laughs> that's it. So Gene Grey shoots some little telekinetic tele- push to push them apart. And then this we'll,
0: panel is also Wolverine awesome. we'll turns yes. red. He does, but it's great.
1: It is. It is great. But it it kind of goes into and again, this is when we talked about last time the uh, the berserker rage.
0: Yeah, before it's been clarified. Before yes. it kind of
1: understands what it is. So it's like here. <laughs> He's in the middle of a fight, and then suddenly he turns red and right. starts screaming.
0: That's also one of those things, though, that by the time you're reading this reprint, reprint in 86, you know all about Berserker.
1: Yeah, true. So I guess it would so. have made more sense at the time. So, And then Storm st- jumps in and sends a lightning blast and tries to save the day, but we have the same. <laughs>
0: it just starts raining really hard. It just
1: starts raining hard randomly. I guess Storm, that's how she got the lightning is the Storm, I guess. Yeah. But anyway, so we get into the same problem. But but in this case, um, Jean Grey steps in and helps Wolverine. And then Wolverine tells her to get away. And he says, I really am bad news. As crazy as they come. <laughs> and Jean Grey says, I'm not afraid. And Wolverine wow. says, you should be.
0: You should be.
1: And then she begins to talk about how she feels his pain <clears throat> and understands him. And she's happy that he's here because she feels like Professor X will help him. So... It went from being um, like it was about to head somewhere naughty to uh, being, I'm glad you're here. You're going to learn yeah, a lot. Yeah, but
0: that, you know, and something we didn't get to see was Stanley in the 60s or even, uh, oh, the guy after him. I forget his name. Uh, crap, I don't remember. But we never really... Now, by this again, this is, again, one of those weird flashback things because by the time you're reading this in 86, you know this. Right. But assuming this is back when it happened, this is kind of retconning Jean Gray into a strong character, which I really like. Yeah. But before like when Giant Size came out, up to that point, during the original X Men run, she was really not much to her. Yeah. She was kind of dainty and she wasn't she was better than just like the original Lois Lane. like she wasn't just a damsel in distress. Right. But she wasn't. She didn't really have any leadership qualities. She wasn't like one of the alpha X-Men that she came to be, which I really enjoy. Yeah, I think so I'm you. I'm glad could. we, even though it may be a retcon, I'm glad we're seeing some of that in this old, quote unquote older story.
1: Yeah, I think that's. I think you can see the creation of her character, a, a kind of. um Coming out of a you know the the, the beginnings of the women's rights movement at the beginnings, but kind of the early '60s women's rights movement, so that she's a stronger character than like you said, Lois Lane, right? Or well, you're kind and, of and
0: she was a hero. Help me. So in that right. regard, it was like Stanley did a, a, a good social service by making Sue, Sue Richards on the Fantastic Four, mm-hmm. or I, or I guess Sue Storm at that point, and yeah. Jean Grey. Were were female characters that actually like participated on a team as a hero. Right. So that was a step up, but it wasn't. We weren't quite ready, I guess. Yeah. To take well, that next step to where they were actually some of the cooler characters on the team. Yeah.
1: And when when then when you get into the seventies, you get into a more radical version of feminism, and I right. think that's probably women then become not just. You know, in the sixties, they were not just. Well, arguably, the idea here is that they weren't just pawns, I guess, or just right. side characters. we will we'll talk about that more,
0: too, because Storm is kind of that right off the bat. Uh, she's True. She's very involved from the beginning, yeah. which I like a lot, too. Yeah, yeah, but I agree. We'll, we'll touch on that a little bit more. Okay,
1: <clears throat> so then the last frame here, we go from her and Wolverine talking to her and uh, Jean Grey, that is, and Professor X talking, in which... She basically sets up this idea that maybe she's going to leave, so again same thing with with uh, Polaris and havoc that uh, they don't feel like they're needed anymore. <coughs> Jean Gray's you know concerned part of it has to do with that, part of it has to do with Wolverine, and that I thought that was an interesting that they're putting in this part of the reason she left for X force is actually Wolverine, which i right. I doubt was at all in the original
0: probably not in
1: the original. But no, I don't know, Maggie. Like, well, this is coming out with X Factor, so I guess it is. But, and basically, her talking about how she's worried that she she would give in.
0: She has animal magnetism.
1: Yeah, this hairy old man <laughs> for some reason is really is possibly very appealing to her.
0: Well, but, she basically doesn't. Am I skipping ahead, or doesn't she kind of tell Professor X like they're all leaving? is that not to the next issue?
1: I don't think she tells him that. I think it's okay. I mean, that she must... tells him that she's leaving. Okay, but she did, and then and then. Okay, I you think know. the
0: next issue. Then I'm sorry. I'm trying not to spoil too much in case <laughs> I talk about the other issues later. But yeah,
1: well, yeah. She, because in this one, she talks about feeling like a somewhat like a prison and how how can humanity accept us if we're not if we're always behind these walls. Right. And then he makes the comparison that if if he he always intended for them to be able to go. And if he tried to keep them, then he'd be no better than Magneto. Right. So. Which I also they,
0: really like the, the window reflection on, yeah, on his was, bald head right there. that, that was kind it was really of
1: cool. Like cool. so he has some kind of mask on. And that's where it ends with, um, new beginnings. That's what it beginnings. says. A bright, right. new wondrous new beginning.
0: And then we get a nice kind of back cover by Bolton with, uh, Wolverine cornering Jean Grey at a tree, and Angel swooping in to save the day.
1: Looking Jean Grey, by the way, looking super '80s. Yes, she and has. what's supposed to have taken place in the like, 1970s. What? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but you know,
0: Wolverine with the super widow's peak and super devil horns. Oh, the Eddie Munster. I like the more wilder hair on Wolverine. I do too. So it's
1: too slicked down like that. Yeah. It looks too much like it really is ears right? when it's like right. this, rather than just being pointy hair.
0: Right. Cool. He also okay.
1: looks like Archie Bunker with his clothes on. It's <laughs> almost like his pants are pulled up too high.
0: But he's got a shirt and a few buttons. True. But look how high the pants are. Look at that. Yeah. Anyway. Is, are those corduroys? Or are those just slacks? <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Awesome. All right, so that is Giant size giant-sized X-Men number one and classic X-Men number one. So, um, I don't know, do you, do you agree with me that overall this is pretty awesome? Yes. Yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed reading this. Although
1: I thought... I did think Krakoa is kind of stupid. <laughs> but overall... But then you'll be
0: happy to know that in current continuity, Krakoa is back in the mix.
1: Oh, that's, that's funny. No, I think this... But, yeah, the introductions of everybody, I think, is really good. I like the way they did it.
0: Yeah, me too. Kind of the classic bring the team together one at a time. Right. And I think it's... It doesn't feel overplayed or too clichéd in this one. No, yeah, I don't think so either. Now, it is interesting, because Lynn Wine wrote Wolverine's first appearance. So, we have the guy that that introduced Wolverine, also introducing him to the X-Men, and introducing his other characters, do you feel like we have a pretty consistent carryover?
1: I think so. Yeah,
0: I I do too. We talked
1: last time about getting the feeling that Lynn Wine basically had a pre-packaged character that was always intended to be an X-Man. So this is just kind of carrying through what he started already. I
0: feel like his attitude and personality were pretty similar. Yeah. So... Definitely. Cool. So we talked about some firsts. We have our first nicked. Um, first nicked. We have our first uh, popping of the claws, and That's right. the, and the fact that the claws can come out in different ways. Right. It doesn't always have to be just three at a time. We don't, and unless you count the backup. We don't actually see Wolverine's face. In the original print.
1: That's true in the giant size. Right. Yeah, he's not in there at all.
0: So I mean, his face is not in there. At all. But that part we do see in the, uh, in the backup in classic X-Men, we kind of see Logan. Yeah. For the first time.
1: I think it, I, mean, I could be wrong, but I don't, I don't think they really started doing the Logan thing until
0: it's pretty, it's pretty later. I think
1: until the 18, I mean, till 18, till the, the till the eighties It's kind of when you start to see Wolverine and Logan be pretty equally part of, of his character. <laughs> right. Which makes sense with classic X Men.
0: So, but yeah, I thought thought the story was pretty awesome. I think you liked the backup a little more than I did. Yeah. Um, why don't you talk about kind of what hit you really positive from that? Well, I think
1: you know this is going to be this is going to be my insertion of history here because I think this is why I think it's interesting. Okay. Because I think going to the to the giant size X Men, I think this is really important. In that, you know, the X-Men from the beginning always had a real close tie to civil rights. Right. Just the idea of being different and being accepted, things like that. But, you know, the original team, they're all white and they all look normal. Right? (laughs) Yeah. So this is, and and all of a sudden, (coughs) they dramatically raise the stakes. So it's like, not only do we get mutants that look weird, like Nightcrawler, we right. get a Native American, we get a Canadian, we get an African, we get a Russian. Right. You know, we Which, get a Japanese a, guy.
0: But the Russian thing's a big deal.
1: That is a big deal. Middle because of the Cold we're War. we're
0: making someone who at this time is very much like our geopolitical mortal enemy, and we're bringing a character from that country and making him a superhero.
1: They're making a big statement. I yeah, think. I think so too. I think by taking the X-Men, they're making the X-Men more of a... Of an international community, you know, it's it's not just a bunch of Americans now, right? Normal-looking Americans who have some powers. Now you have this wide range of nationalities, of races, of of everything, right? Yeah. So in the '70s, you have that's a big part of this. I think the part of the the story. This, you know, that that's the the fruition of a lot of the civil rights movements I mentioned earlier. Um, Thunderbird being kind of the most tied to politics because when this, when giant size Excellence comes out in 1975, that's the same year that the American Indian movement took over wounded knee. Oh, and I think that's the same. I think that's a year after they took over Alcatraz. So you have like a real militant native American movement. Okay.
0: So that fits really in with this character,
1: you know, some of the big Mexican American legislation or, or court cases are around the same time, you know, so you have kind of the, the, the end to a degree of the of the 60s civil rights movement. So this, to me, this is kind of the fruition of that. You know, it's like now everybody can be an X-Man. You know, it's not just an American team. It's an everyone can be an X-Man. So what I liked about the classic X-Men thing then where they add...
0: Well, so let me ask you, <clears throat> I'm sorry, just real quick. Okay. Um, so I'm assuming you're going to say that you feel... Right, the giant size introduces those ideas but doesn't really go far enough with them
1: no not necessarily because I think in the 1970s just like when they originally created them in the first place it's tied to civil rights but they don't really overplay that they right. just say that so this is what happens here we just have a, a broadening of the X-Men a an opening up of the X-Men movement right, to all like I said nationality just kind of becomes this world so in the 70s, that's kind of what's happening, right? In the world, we have, you know, the immigration policies change. We got, for the first time in U.S. history, you have big numbers of Africans and Asians immigrating to the U.S., right? So you get this, you know, real diversification to the country. Right. So when the classic X Men comes out in 1986, this is right in the middle of one of the big immigration back surges, where you have a big nativist movement of a lot of Americans being. Upset that there are so many immigrants in the country, right? And we have and this is where we'll get Reagan will get it will introduce immigration reform and stuff like that. So I thought Bobby is an interesting character because he comes from he represents that he represents that that nativist surge against all these foreigners.
0: You know, you're gonna make me like this. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, but I mean, you know, so he, you know, he, he's he's the America guy, right? right? He's the guy that's like, this is America, you know, and when he tells. Russian guy that you know he's an American now. Does he
0: the use Colossus. the word ruski um, Or am I imagining that
1: he says something like something that? Similar, I'll see if right? I can find that really quickly. But but yeah, so so it's kind of an interesting take on that, and and even you know Bobby's hostile to it, but even all the other ones, it's it's this sudden. Is there trepidation. Right. You know, there's this even, you know, having in Polaris who aren't hostile to the new people, but there's this, do we even fit in this America anymore? You know, is is America big enough for all these non-traditional Protestant right. white Americans or people who aren't like that, and then us, you know? So it's like, it's this kind of weird dynamic where Bobby's kind of the, the forefront of a of, uh, pushing that issue but they're all kind of experiencing this how do we fit into this more diverse America which you know I think in the mid 80s you can make good arguments that there's there's a good bit of that going on in American society of kind of adjusting to what do we do now that civil rights is over at least legal equality and obviously there's still racial issues and stuff but you know so I I, I thought that was really interesting I thought Bobby's bizarre hostility which it kind of you know if you don't not thinking about all that it comes off like he's just being a really big jerk
0: well yeah and that's kind of the way i took it and and to me what i didn't like about this because i like the idea that the claremont went back yeah he says i'm not your comrade risky I, yeah. I saw that too he
1: says this is america
0: um, i like the idea that the claremont comes back and fleshes it out because i feel like the giant size I wrote down, you have racism as diversity. Because <laughs> I think when Wine was very sincere and what he was attempting to do, but I felt like some of the things he said went a little too far. Right. As far as the way he made the... It was hard, you know, and when people talk about um, William Faulkner, mm-hmm. one of the big criticisms a lot is it's hard to tell sometimes when his white Southern characters are talking, whether it's just them or whether a Faulkner's philosophy kind of bre- like bleeding through a little bit. Right. But that's always kind of been like a literary argument about about his writing is, is the N-word particularly acceptable is his it inter- just as a character use or is it saying something about what he's trying to write? Yeah. I personally think he was trying to use it in a... Literary, positive way, but there's arguments against that. Anyway, right. But I felt like sometimes when wine and, and giant size, the like the Jap and the Geronimo and stuff like that is a little bit too. Besides, just not being politically correct, and I'm not. I'm not trying to play that card too much. I kind of joked about it, but right. I feel like it's a little too insensitive to really accomplish. The point he was trying to make with the the super important diverse X Men. So right. I like that Claremont goes back. And basically, because basically all of this, except for the brief skirmish between Angel and Wolverine, is all conversation. It's all dialogue. Right. So I like he uses that to kind of flesh out and say, no, it, this original bringing together of the super diverse X Men really was as deep and multi-dimensional as, as it was supposed to be right. so I like that aspect of the retcon and I like what you brought up about Bobby representing a certain segment of particularly kind of wasp culture yeah. in the 80s and that, I didn't really think of that and that's really insightful and thank you for bringing that up I think my problem is is even after hearing that Claremont never really wrote the original X-Men in real time. By the time he got... to Uncanny, it was all these new guys. Yeah. And he didn't really write on X-Factor. Now, he wrote in the 90s with the Jim Lee book brought some of these guys back. But that was even after this. I feel like a little bit that he shows kind of a lack of knowledge with the characters and people... There's probably going to be people listening to this that hate me for saying this. But I feel like it would have been better. It wouldn't have fit the story as good because he needed an angel in the sky. Yeah. But I feel like his attitude, he would have been more appropriate to represent what Iceman was representing. And because, you know, first of all, he was kind of the wasp type character. You know, as a wealthy yeah. Anglo. Um, And also the thing, the thing that bothers me a little bit because Iceman was always kind of like the carefree prankster on the X-Men. Yeah. He was always like, when everybody else was being uptight, he was the one making jokes and causing trouble. And so for him to kind of come out as the prick in this story, I understand why he would feel threatened. You know, being like the kid, he's still like the young kid on the team. But, and then you have these older guys coming in With beer and cigarettes and whatever, right? You know, it's I I understand, where he would feel maybe insecure, but I I don't know. To me, it would have been a little stronger as a fan of the original team if Angel had expressed those sentiments you spoke of instead of Iceman. I think
1: in the I
0: did make a joke here. I wrote my notes that Iceman gives everybody the cold shoulder. (laughs) I think.
1: I kind of disagree with you okay. a little bit. I think in the original, I, I agree with your. I agree with the idea that that Chris Claremont maybe he doesn't quite understand these characters. And that's not the right word, but but he hasn't written for them like you said, so right. it's not as well.
0: Not that he doesn't understand; he didn't have as much practice with them. Yeah, right?
1: the experience writing them. I think that's probably true. But again, going to the time period back in the sixties, seventies, maybe. But in the '80s, Warren Worthington III, he's not—he's not the proper country club rich guy who would be the one who's straightening his tie and and uncomfortable with with brown people. He's the businessman. He's the yuppie making tons of money, driving fast cars, right. hanging out with women, exotic women. Right. So I think it actually ma- it actually makes sense that he wouldn't be as threatened by that okay. because he's more. You know, his lifestyle, he's fast, fast and furious. (laughs) But, you know, whereas Bobby, I think it's probably it's overplayed in here. But I think Bobby more represents your kind of working class resistance to all these people who might replace him. I mean, none of these other folks are going to replace Angel. He's the super rich guy who can fly.
0: (laughs) In <laughs> at various times in X-Men history, funs in school. Exactly. Right. Whereas
1: Bobby is, he's also the youngest, I think is an yeah. important part but of I that. I think
0: the immaturity definitely shows, <laughs> and that part is right.
1: Immaturity and fear. And again, like you said, these older guys bringing in cigarettes and beer, which is kind of a funny thing to think about. But, you know, for, I think about when I was in Boy Scouts in ninth grade and I went to my first big camp and all the older kids had, you know, all kinds of stuff that I wasn't allowed to play with. Right, and it was it was kind of frightening. It was like, whoa, wait a minute, I don't, this is this is an exposure to to a, <laughs> a level of of a stuff that I've never really experienced before. Right. And I think you can see the same kind of thing. So for me, I guess I think it makes it makes sense that Bobby's the one. I think I think you're right in that it's it's a bit overplayed, probably because because he is usually the carefree prankster. But I think maybe you could make the argument that with all these older guys. It's not a bunch of school kids anymore, and that's True. that's a changing so team.
0: He wouldn't feel comfortable,
1: right? So, and what's his role? And
0: and honestly, uh, I, you're actually kind of convincing me, because that's why I'm here. The same kind of youthful energy and immaturity that led to being carefree and joking, maybe would also, yeah, you because know, like you see him joking, he reveals, so maybe he, I'm sure he felt threatened, like against Magneto, right. But didn't feel threatened on a personal, emotional level, right? Because it, it's it was a team. physical threat, right? And he can joke to blow off steam or whatever, but now he's actually got people in his house, right? So that yeah, it does make more sense. And his
1: team, the dynamics of his team is going to change, right? Because now you have all these older people, you have all these foreign people, you have a demon, you know, yeah, you know, and so yeah. I mean, I, I think it's it's an interesting. I think it's an interesting way they do this to kind of show the tensions. Because like, you're right. you know, In the Giants X-Men, you don't get any of this. Right. You don't get any feeling that anybody's mad about anything. Well, even,
0: even at the end, when, when they're talking about the plane being too full, Angel is <laughs> smiling. Right. Like it's a big joke. Like, oh, we don't have room for you guys. <laughs> right. What are we going to do with 13 X-Men? <laughs> oh, no. Which is kind of, <laughs>
1: in hindsight, sounds like foreshadowing. But I don't, right. at the time, I don't know if it really was. At the, the time, Facts I feel
0: like split. it was the old, the 80s sitcom where they <laughs> freeze the panel on the last joke and everybody's like frozen laughing. Yeah. And I feel like that's what it was. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. That's pretty funny. All right. Well, anything else about this? Story in particular, you'd like to point out? I don't think so. Okay.
1: I like um, it's, it's a good story.
0: Yeah. Alright, So we talked. I mean, obviously it's a Wolverine podcast. But I think we did a pretty good idea talking about uh, Wolverine. Oh, okay. So Wolverine in the backup does that that fit him in the
1: yeah. in the back of the
0: in the backup the of classic? Karka. Yeah. The, the,
1: yeah, I think so. It it okay. definitely. It's definitely '80s Wolverine.
0: Yeah, a little, so hair douchey.
1: The hair, yeah, the, it's super hairy. The only, the
0: only line I didn't like that I thought was a little too much, even for Wolverine, was uh, what "Wolverine, Wolverine knows what he wants and he gets what he wants." Yeah, I mean, that was. All right, that much. pushed it a little far. But the idea of him being aggressive definitely fits. Right as far as him being aggressive in the battle and his attitude and everything. And it's his like
1: quick, uh, quick temper, you know, against yeah. Angel.
0: Well, and we definitely see because Claremont definitely in, in the 80s at this time wrote a lot of kind of self-loathing into Wolverine to introduce kind of the, the part of he's worried about losing control. He's yeah. worried about, you know, all this stuff. So that... That all fits for sure. So that
1: I, so that panel where he says I'm I'm bad news. Right, right, right. Which is a tad cheesy, but it, it fits yeah. with what they're trying to do with him. Yeah.
0: But overall I think uh, between both the issues, the original Giant Size and the and the additional backup and classic, the Wolverine's pretty uh well represented and uh it's a good it's a good joining of him with other mutants.
1: Yeah, I agree. so,
0: uh, so of the new X-Men introduced, uh, Wolverine's my favorite. Is he Obviously. your favorite? Obviously. Okay, so that kind of goes without saying. So who then would you rank as your second favorite of the new X-Men?
1: I've always been partial to Colossus. Okay. I've always thought he was a really cool character.
0: You, can you kind of vocalize anything about him that, that you particularly love? or
1: I I feel like he's... He's a more complex character than some of the other ones. Right. Because he has such a soft side. Right. It's you the, know, gentle, it's like, the
0: gentle, the gentle armored. Yeah.
1: And, and you have that, that, um, this, that's like almost metaphorical, right? right? Where it's like when he's in, he has the soft side literally and emotionally where he's this really sensitive, person who loves his sister and he draws and he does art and he falls in love with shadow cat you know and it's right. you have all that but then he's got the hard side again literally and emotionally right where he turns into steel and he's just badass and he throws everybody and breaks stuff you know right i think that's really cool and i, I like that he's russian i think it's kind of a cool yeah element um yeah and, and a lot of the other guys all these guys are good characters they really
0: are they with the exception of Sunfire, <laughs>
1: with the exception of Sunfire, who's a, a kind of a terrible character, I think. But yeah, and maybe at some point he did something cool, and I've just not I read that comic. So. <laughs> but I've never read anything in him, right? Where, where I one remembered him or thought it was interesting.
0: Yeah, I'm going to say for me, and this was really tough because I love, particularly Colossus and Storm, a lot. <clears throat> yeah. I think probably my, my second favorite, if I had to choose, would be Nightcrawler, and kind of for some of the same reasons, kind of the juxtaposition of the external versus the internal. Yeah, you have this guy who looks like a demon; he looks like a villain. Yeah, and but he has like the heart of an angel, or you know, even before they introduce the religious aspect. He's always very gentle and giving and caring Right From the beginning They over I agree with you They overplay a little bit here The I'm not the monster they are Yeah I think the point they're trying to make with it applies to his character though That And he looks like this horrible demon But really he's Probably one of the The most sincerely Like Sweet X-Men To ever be
1: don't judge a book by its cover.
0: Exactly. And that's kind of a silly cliche, but it really, for whatever reason, it's always really worked with me and I. Yeah,
1: I agree. I, I think he's a great character too.
0: But I feel like, yeah, they really, this this team hit, hit a home run. It's a really, and that's why, I mean, you look at this, particularly this cover, of classic X-Men, and these are the X-Men that, that are still prevalent Today, you know, even yeah. with all the new characters introduced, you always fall back on these guys. Yeah, a lot um, of
1: these guys. I mean, you can not Sunfire. Right, and not sunfire Thunderbird and, because he dies. And
0: Banshee's been dead for a while, but.
1: Oh, I forgot Banshee died.
0: But even uh, Thunderbird gets replaced by Warpath, and he's. he's
1: Warpath's a better character.
0: I mean, well, he's around longer for one. Well, it yeah, but I mean, just, a lot more. I
1: don't know, the, the Thunderbird is, is a little too angry guy.
0: <laughs> yeah, it is the at least probably three-dimensional of the new characters. Yeah. Well, besides maybe Sunfire. <laughs> <laughs> We're just hating on Sunfire. <laughs> we are. I don't like him. Um, and it's not because he's Japanese. I like lots of the Japanese X-Men characters. I have, yeah, they yeah.
1: have, lots of, I have yeah. lots of Asian characters, so. It's, it's really just because he's a jerk. Yeah, it doesn't really matter is. what nationality you are. If you're a jerk, you're a jerk.
0: <laughs> a jerk is a jerk. Um, okay, well, that's really kind of all I had. We're a little over two hours. Um, any closing thoughts you'd like to share before I kind of wrap it up?
1: Just that the X-Men are cool.
0: The X-Men are cool. And this, this story just accentuates that even with kind of the way ass and villain of Kikroa, just yeah. the way, I don't know. I will say I'm glad I I found the reprint in giant size because classic, the way they condensed the battle, if I had missed Wolverine's first fight as an X-Men, even though it was battling giant craft and that's kind of silly, <laughs> it's still historically, it's his first battle as an X-Man. Yeah, that's the true. The fact that it's not included in the reprint is I think it's a little short-sighted. But I think it's kind
1: of weird that they did that. Yeah. I mean, at least not it's just more of the battle. You right. know, it's, I, I can understand they didn't do the whole thing because it's not a giant size comic, right? But it's like one page.
2: Yeah,
0: so, that was a little weird. But I'm glad. Weird. I'm glad I was able to to conjure up the Marvel Milestone edition of Giant Size and and give that a whirl. Um, Yay! Okay, well, uh, I think we're gonna uh, wrap up there. I wish you have something else. I'm good. Okay, well. Um, yeah, go to go write an iTunes review. Um, you can like me on Facebook, uh, Facebook.com slash SNIT podcast fan page. Um, email at SNITCast at yahoo.com. And um Cameron, why don't you give your uh, your podcast address again one more time?
1: Yeah, you can check our websites history the podcast you can find it on iTunes. It's called History Banter Podcast. If you search, it's the only thing that comes up, so that's good. Nice. got a big picture of Teddy Roosevelt on it. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at History Banter. Uh, our email is historybanter at gmail.com
0: oh, yeah, I am also on Twitter. Uh, twi- Twitter on Twitter at uh, Snickcast. So. I set
1: up his Twitter account.
0: You did. Thank you very much. That's right. So, um, all right, guys, I am going to leave you there. Um, I will see you next episode um, will be the February books, the February 2013 Wolverine books, so, uh, get back to the present for a couple episodes, um, I'm probably, uh, going to go ahead and not stop on every issue, but plow through some of the highlights in Wolverine's past, and, um, I'll be listing Cameron from time to time, I'll not make him do all of those, but, um, uh, I mean, pulling them in for some of the, the really big ones. And I uh, have a couple other guests who might do a couple episodes, too. So keep that in mind. But um, next episode will just be the February 2013 books. So we got some good issues. So uh, stay tuned. All right, guys. Take care of yourselves. Good night. Bye. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on. Hold on. Uh, so I'm an idiot. I did this the last time Cameron hosted a flashback episode with me and I even made really big notes in my notebook so I would not forget again. But somehow I did. I forgot to do the claw ratings for these episodes. So I texted Cameron on the way home from a long night of recording. And he said that he was going to give both Giant Size X-Men number one and Classic X-Men number one three out of three claws. Both for their significance and importance. And the stories as they were told. Now I also give giant size X-Men number one. Three out of three claws. And I gotta say. I was prepared to not be as favorable. On classic X-Men number one. I was a little annoyed. Like I talked about during the episodes. That they they condensed the battle so much. And we didn't get to see Wolverine's. First battle as an X-Men. And. You know, I, like I also talked about, I was a little less favorable of the uh, backup story going in. But after doing the episode and talking with Cameron, I actually enjoyed it a lot more. And so I'm going to give Classic X-Men number one with all its bonus material glory three out of three claws. So we both gave both books three out of three claws because they were awesome. So, all right, well, that's it. I'm done. You can officially go to sleep in peace. Good night.